you're muted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was from the soul. <clears throat> Welcome. <laughs> so, fantastic. It's too early to start drinking. <laughs> Unless, uh, Unless you're fishing. JJ's fishing. Then you're cracking yeah. beers at six o'clock in the morning <laughs> and loving life. Our own Debbie Downer. Are you done? Are you done dragging the show to a halt? <laughs> it's not Dougie Downer anymore. It's Ivan. <laughs> Thank you. Dog. Yeah, what? what? Okay, maybe cut that part out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome everyone to episode 56 of the Plastic Posse podcast. I hope everyone is doing really well and enjoying their time at the bench. The days are starting to get a bit shorter now and the weather's getting cooler for us in the Northern Hemisphere, so I really hope all of you are making the most of that. Joining me today are my wonderful co-hosts, well, kind of wonderful, TJ Haller, Doug Smith, Scott Gentry, Grant Mabry, and John Bernani. We have an absolutely fantastic episode for you today, featuring a special interview with our very good friend Andy Klein from Andy's Hobby Headquarters, with a very special announcement, so you're going to really want to stay around for this one. And we also discuss the opposite of one of those days, and we think back to times when it just clicked. But first, let's go around the room and see what you guys have been up to. TJ, how about yourself? Well, this gets touched on in the interview with Andy, but um, let's see, we're recording this a little bit early earlier than we normally do um this is a, a sunday and yesterday in the mail i got the new 116th scale easy eight sherman uh from andy his very first produced kit and uh yeah i opened it immediately as soon as i got the chance and i've already started putting it together i've built uh the upper running gear not not the the bogeys yet uh that's my next uh goal and uh, a lot of the details on the back like the Toe hooks and all that stuff. Toe hook is all the details. Fantastic. And we'll say, man, that kit is awesome. I know I was talking about I was, how I was in a little bit of a modeling funk recently, but this thing has, I mean, it's really, it's kind of lit a fire under me because I can't wait to start painting this thing. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. I, it, I know everyone knows I love Sherman's and, uh, this, <laughs> this thing is huge. It's so cool. It makes me giddy just thinking about it. Duke, how about yourself? Well, you know what? I am getting ready for a uh, a little adventure. I'm doing another 48-hour, 48-scale build, this time with, um, let's see, scale models for vets in the Netherlands. That'll be going on next weekend, which is the weekend before this episode drops, so uh, in two weeks I'll be talking about that. Other than that, I've been working on uh, three kits. I've got the Bandai B-Wing, which is getting close to ready for primer. I've got the uh, Yog Panther in 48 scale from Tamiya that is starting paint, and also the Tiger, the uh, late Tiger, that is also ready for paint. So that's what's on my bench right now. Lovely stuff. Good to see that you are busy at the bench. 
And Scott, what have you been working on? So I've been doing a lot of 3D printing, uh, struggling with my printer a little bit. So uh, kind of fighting through that. But I'm working on some uh, Colonial Viper Mark III kits in 148 scale. That's been uh, kind of an adventure, but it's going well now. And also uh, getting ready for a trip this coming weekend to Chicago, where um, I have been allowed to participate in judging as a, as an observer for the MMSI show in Chicago. And I'm really excited about that. I haven't ever been to one of those before. Really looking forward to seeing how an open uh, system, you know, works, something that's completely different from sort of your typical IPMS uh, type judging. And uh, also to see some of the work. I know some of the figure modelers like, you know, Bill Haran and John Rosengrant, of course, Barry and Jim over at Small Subjects. I mean, they just all do incredible work. So I'm really, really excited for that opportunity and appreciate them allowing me to kind of observe that. So that's kind of it. Not a lot going on as far as plastic kits on the bench, but a lot going on in the, uh, you know, adjacent space. Very nice. Very nice. Grant, what about you? Well, I'm, I'm jealous of TJ and JB for having their big Shermans already. I'll tell you that. Uh, I don't have mine yet. But other than that, uh, that's good. I, I've been working on some figures and having some fun around the house cleaning. You know, we're getting ready for winter here in California. So that means it's dropping all the way down to 70 degrees. So, you know, the jackets are coming out. But other than that, I mean, not too much going on right now. I got a show uh, in Fresno next week. The next Saturday, I'll be there. So it's going to be fun. And that is uh, the 22nd of February. Looking forward to that. But that's about it. Lovely. She'll be a very good show. Jonathan Bananathan, how about yourself? Oh, my lordship. Thank you for calling on me. Permission to speak. Granted. Okay, there we go. No, it's been really, uh, as you say, absolutely fantastic. It is the best time to be in the hobby. Received the Sherman kit. I actually got it on Thursday, and it sat on my front porch for four whole days. So if you were in the Colorado area and you were looking for one, you could have picked it up. Uh, so it was there with my pumpkins, got home, went live right before started recording because as TJ mentioned, it's an absolute unit. It is by far probably one of the, you know, you know, it's interesting. TJ talks about Mojo being a little bit slow and certain things being able to kickstart it. I'm very excited to have it. I mean, it's, it is just a great kit, great subject. And I, I love the story behind it too with Andy. I think, I think seeing someone's dream come alive and the passion in which he speaks about it, which he'll talk about in his interview coming up soon is, is really, is it can't be found elsewhere to be honest and that's certainly motivating for a new kit outside of that i have some solid projects going at the bench hope to finish the ursats m7 soon i have a panther g for a special project also i have the samwa that's being painted as well so the bench is full just got fuller some things are going to move to the side for the big boy and yeah that's uh that's about what's going on here in colorado thank you sir lovely stuff lovely stuff for me as you might have heard last episode i'm working on two Two F14A kits. These are commissions that I, for some reason, made a deal uh, with JB that I would get done for Telford. And we definitely agreed on two of them. <laughs> if you remember rightly, the deal was, if I don't finish, I have to buy him a Comet. If I do, he has to buy me one. I'm pretty much ready to buy him one. These aren't getting finished. The kits themselves, anyone who's built the Tamiya F14 will know, build it out of the box is just is impeccable as, as a kit. It is, in every way, perfect. Like, th there's just no way it can be bad unless you do some serious manhandling of it. But it's in, in, in its design, its quality, it's just sublime. Some parts when you're putting them together, you can't help but smile because of how well it fits. It's just like, oh, wow, it just goes together. But 
for the past uh, day or two, I've been uh, scraping the seam line and polishing and sanding that out of the canopy. That's a bit of a pain, but with the nature of the molding and the size of the canopy, there's going to be that seam line there. And I'm having to do some wiring and 3D printing details for the landing gear. So it's the time's starting to add up, and now I'm working five days a week. Sad panda, don't want to do that. I kind of liked being unemployed. I'm losing time now that I can <laughs> that I can work on these F-14s. So I'm going to kind of wave the white flag already, um, but they'll get done. I'm working on them still. They'll just be not as stressful. But yeah, two F-14s in the Jolly Rogers, one high-vis, one low-vis. But yeah, that's, that's what I've been working on. You're not going to finish the F-14s? I mean... I'm going to try and finish But before, it. before Telford. Yeah. Oh, I, I just, I didn't oh. see that coming at all. That's, I mean, I'm, it, I am. Oh. Are you Ivan, shocked? Ivan, I'm, I'm legitimately shocked. I'm floored right now. It's, it's almost like I you just can't bet everything it. you own I, on it. I can't believe it. it. Who are you? I, I just, I don't even know what to do. I, I mean, I have let everyone down. Now. I'm fully aware. We're uh, looking solid. for a new, a new sixth posse member. If you'd like to <laughs> host. I can't believe it. I mean, you know, <laughs> these things happen. Let, let's just quickly move on. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> in all I love fairness, it, 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 it was when me and JB were in a hangout. Don't know what possessed me. Originally, it was going to be, if I don't finish these, I will buy you a 116th Sherman. I shut you down. He should have took the deal now. <laughs> I I was like, this is free money. I can't take advantage of an unemployed person. <laughs> Again, I I am going to be uh, slightly chivalrous and jump in here and pull some heat <laughs> off of our flustered uh, English brother here and talk about uh, one of our extended posse family. As all of you out there listening know, the posse is more than just the six of us. It's about a whole community. We have some friends, Dan Carey and Hank Nofel. They're Patreon supporters. They're friends. They hang out with us at a lot of shows. And Hank is a, a good friend of ours, a young man. He's a great modeler. He's uh, up and coming. Hank did a modeling transition to manhood, and we're going to award him a posse purple heart. Unfortunately, uh, Hank has uh, gotten his first stitches as a result of being at the model bench. And I understand from Dan that everything's okay and he's back at the bench. But this is, of course, a rite of passage for all of us as modelers. So, Hank, we're glad you're doing better. But congratulations. And uh, you earned those stitches. And we're really, really glad that everybody's doing well. So, purple heart to you, Hank. Yeah, and plus, like I told my daughter when she got stitches in her legs, when she fell, I'm like, hey, chicks take scars. So, I mean, there you go. Now you got a story to tell. That's right. The Triple P is pleased to be sponsored by TankCraft.com. They are a great partner, and they are the makers of some beautiful cutting mats for your modeling bench. Their TankCraft cutting mats are heavy-duty, self-healing, come in two sizes, and have World War II tank and aircraft blueprint-style drawings on them. Spread out your next build on an olive green M4 Sherman or Dunkelgelb King Tiger mat. They've also got planes, too. You can check out all of their designs and a range of other really unique and useful modeling tools over at tankcraft.com. That's T-A-N-K-R-A-F-T dot com. And remember, Posse listeners can use the code POSSE15 at checkout to get 15% off your first order. TJ, how's our uh, Maque group build coming along? Before we get into that, the Triple P Ma uh, Maque group build has a new sponsor. 
which is really cool. And um, we're pleased to announce a partnership with Bases by Bill, who will be the official title sponsor for the group build. Uh, for those that don't know, Bases by Bill specializes in display cases and bases. I know that sounds surprising for scale models. Built by modelers for modelers, their premium quality display cases and innovative bases are available for any type of model in any size. So check out their website at basesbybuild.com to see their new custom display products for busts and figures, and also their custom size display cases from 4 to 30 inches that provide the perfect foundation for scenery or vignettes. If you don't see what you need, uh, just ask, because chances are they can make it for you. Use the code POSSE at checkout to apply 15% lesser discount to your order. That code, again, is POSSE, or 15% off. Bases by Bill is a proud sponsor of the Plastic Posse Podcast 2023 Mod K Group Build. Bases by Bill for all your model display needs. Having said all that, I personally own a number of bases made by Bases by Bill, and they're all pretty awesome. Part of the reason why we, when they reached out to us for sponsorship, we thought that this would be a great opportunity is because of one of the, I guess, quote unquote, rules of the group build is that all the models should be on some sort of base for a more cohesive display, right? They all don't have to be identical, but just some sort of base. And why not use a base by Bases by Bill? Yeah. So not only are they a sponsor, they're helping with participation in the group build. So I was just going to jump in, TJ, and say another benefit of Bases by Bill, when we first uh, talked to them about the group build, they're a really attractive sponsor for the bases because they can do the customized bases that can really show off the Mac aesthetic. Scott and I sent over a lot of box arts and a lot of, you know, color plate cards to give them an idea of what, you know, Mac is. And really, I think that's going to highlight a lot of their products in terms of, you know, customization and really, you know, really getting to the Mac aesthetic, not only in the model form, but also the ability to display it as well. So yeah, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that you mentioned that because if anyone, the, the brown box for Mac kits is, is very distinctive, right? And I think when we talked to Link, that had something to do with when they were designing them. They kind of were going for like a World War II aesthetic and they look like essentially ration boxes from World War II. I think, is that what he said? Grant, I, I can't remember exactly what he, how he worded it. Uh, the, the box color, the, the box itself, yes, the box color comes from the wrapping of that they wrapped AK-47s in. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, they have a very distinctive look and have had that look for a long time. And um, the little color cards that come in there are also very distinctive, very military-like with like an information card. Um, it's just kind of how it all works. So that it, being able to transfer some of that aesthetic to a base to display an SAFS or a PKA suit is pretty cool because, you know, they all have names and they all have whatever. If you look at the color card, there's all this information about them. So that's that's really neat. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can come up with. But going on to the build itself, um, I know we talked about cliff herring's uh amazing build on our last episode i think since then john everett who was on our last episode in the interview segment he's been posting pictures of his his mac frog i guess for lack of a better term and it's it's fantastic and i'm not mistaken um he's gonna put one of uh, joram's <laughs> little frog pilots in there uh <laughs> are you printing that for him john or is he gonna print that himself because he has I- he has your old printer right I printed them all for him. So I, oh, okay. I downloaded those. I gave him a cat, dog, uh, the chameleon <laughs> and the frog. And he's like, no, nah, I'm doing the frog. So he painted it up and shared it. And it's painted some like poisonous orange, like frog. It looks really good. It's got a leather jacket on. It's, it's prime. And then when we were coming back from Colpar last weekend, he was talking about the display base. And I'm like, well, 
why don't you put it on a lily pad? So he's got, he's got, he's got two lily pads that he's orchestrating, uh, for the base. So I think he's going to pour like a clear resin kind of pond about an inch thick or so and then put lilies on top of it. And then he'll have the frog walker there with the frog pilot. So, uh, yeah, he's embracing the Mac mantra of, uh, you know, anything goes. Yeah. And John is so great. That's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, some of the other work, you know, I want to highlight, uh, Stephen Reed is, is putting in good work on his, um, I want to say it's a r- raccoon. Yep. I just looked at the picture. It's indeed a raccoon. And he went with the brush pan lacquer style that Link does a lot. And it's the traditional Japanese style with a kind of desert pink thing. And it's really cool. He had a couple ideas of theories or tests. He did some color tests um, earlier today, and um, yeah, he picked one out because in the comments in his post from a couple hours ago, he's like, ah, look, I already painted it, and it looks really cool. And a couple other things I want to mention, uh, our good friend Martin Drayton, he's starting his um, uh, his hund on the road because, you know, he travels a lot for work, and he builds on the road, which God bless him, because I don't don't know if I could. That that looks really hard, but um, he makes, makes good work, so he's got it down to a science. And uh, also, I've noticed a couple other people in our group have also gotten uh, Link's new book, um, along with myself. And I think John got his. Aaron finally got his, I guess, um, you know, way behind the curve. So sorry, buddy. But yeah, group's going good. Lots of good work and keep building, guys. Did you mention Matt Johnson's uh, Luna Diver as well? That's a pretty I did, cool kid. I did not. Yeah, it's good to see big, big vehicles like that making it in as well. Luna Diver is really cool. So, I mean, I, I also finished mine. Thought I'd mention it. Oh right! Oh you! Oh you did! Desolate. Oh yeah! I don't remember that. <laughs> we did. We mentioned it in the last video. We gave you a nice shout out. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Why are you so needy? I mean, I don't, <laughs> so I, I, I don't listen when I'm not on. Oh, oh wow! Oh. All right, we're we're gonna mute him and put him in the corner. Come He's on, in the timeout man. box. Wow! Oh, wow! So oh, wow! See what we have to uh, deal with. Jeez, oh man. Gets his lordship, and all of a sudden, he's too good for us. <laughs> if I can't hear myself, I don't want to listen. There's no way he's a lord. <laughs> it is very nice, Ivan. It's but, very yeah, nice. Thanks. It's okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> I feel like you could have built an F-14 Tomcat in the time it took you to weather it. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back, buddy. <laughs> the music's a nice touch, though. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you know what else I like? I really like the the arm that has. I think he's carrying, and it's got wires hanging out. That's very unique. I don't. I, I don't. I've never seen anyone else yeah. do that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a really unique, um, yeah. completely cool. original idea. It I thought, is. I, I not mean, trademarked. No, I think. No, I, th- yeah. <laughs> I think calling the scene desolate as well was a nice touch. There's no words. That would match that description whatsoever. Nah, I, I, I really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing it in person. Yeah. Yeah. Yellow is a nice touch. Never been done before. Yeah. <laughs> so original. Not to be stolen by someone four days later. Honestly. <laughs> 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 the only thing missing was water. But it's fine. Really nice build. Now it's time for our very special interview with our good friend Andy Klein from Andy's Hobby Headquarters. We are always enjoying talking with Andy, and you'll love his energy, enthusiasm, positivity, and amazing for this amazing hobby. Sit back and grab a beverage and enjoy.
Welcome into another special Plastic Posse podcast interview. We are extremely pleased to welcome back a friend of the show. Uh, we had him on four or five episodes ago. It was a lot of fun to talk to him, and uh, we didn't get enough, so we've got him back. Uh, welcome back, Andy Klein from Andy's Hobby Headquarters. Thank you so much. It's a it's a privilege to be back on your show here. I, I have to say I listened to all of them myself, and uh, and even the one I'm on, because I don't like listening to my own voice normally. <laughs> but, no, but it's it's great to be back on. I appreciate it. Well, we are excited to talk about a lot of really, really cool topics. And uh, I think we have uh, later on in the interview, uh, something special that you're going to talk about. But in the meantime, TJ was just showing us, I've got TJ and Grant with me here, the 116th scale Easy 8. And uh, TJ, what are your initial thoughts on that new uh, kit from Andy? Uh, It is an absolute unit. It is huge. I mean, anyone that listens knows... Andy, you you may not know. I'm a 135th scale guy more often than not. I dabble in 148th armor too, but and I'm a I'm a big Sherman guy. I love Shermans are my favorite tank. Um so this is my first 16 scale kit and it is awesome. Uh I was a little surprised with exactly how big it was. I put it, it on is my kind desk. It's shocking and, when you first open it and you go, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I pulled I pulled it out of the box at my kitchen table and my wife looks at it. I'm like, that's a kit. It's really, really big. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay, cool. That's nice. And then I, I told her all about it. And um, she's like, oh, that's, that's very cool. But yeah, yeah, I've started, uh, I got a fair amount of the the lower haul done. Um, I haven't done the, the bogeys yet, but that'll be my next project. But so far, everything's building up great. I, I mean, no complaints. It's fantastic. And it looks you'll, amazing. You'll find too. I, I've done a lot of 16 stuff lately. And I'm like you. I was always 35, 35, 35. Occasionally, I throw a 48 scale in there. And I am so hooked on 16 scale, not just because it's that. I mean, I'm all the 16 scale kits from TACOM or DOS work. My, my 53 year old fingers <laughs> are easier to hold on to everything <laughs> in big scale. I can see everything a lot better. I'm, uh, it's, you'll find it, it gets addictive to go into the bigger scale. And then of course, all the extra detail that they've, yeah. they've thrown yeah. in there that, uh, is great to see it on there. I know. Uh, Personally, um, uh, painting and weathering the turret is always like my favorite part of of any armor build, and just holding that gigantic turret is like the size <laughs> of a softball in my hand in the right. gun barrel, which I feel like is a foot long. It's not, but I mean, you take that piece of metal out of the bag, and you're like, I could like bludgeon someone with this. It's so big. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I cannot wait. Um, I, I've been a little bit of a, a modeling funk lately, and haven't really been focused. But when I got this in the mail yesterday, I brought it down here immediately and just started ripping the bags open and putting it together. So uh, it's, I'm really enjoying it. Very good. I appreciate that. Another exciting kit too is uh, Tacom's. Uh, we can say it here their Jeep kit in the same scale. <laughs> yep. And uh, yep. you know, my favorite part of that, uh, Andy, is the detail they put into that Go Devil engine under the hood. And um, man, fantastic! Of course, you can always add more to it. But the the way that the engine head is laid out, you've got spark plugs uh, that you could wire if you want to. All of it is, you know, in the 16th scale, you could really go to town. You're absolutely right. And that's the that all that extra detailing in there. We have found that we have a lot of car modelers that are suddenly interested. Granted, it's a soft skin, but they're interested in armor, so to speak. It's still an armor kit, I consider. And yeah, they're going to town, putting the wiring in and detailing up. And I've seen some of my locals that would never touch anything than a 24th, 25th scale car building a 16th scale uh, Jeep. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Great crossover. Well, 
We're going to make uh, Andy go sit in the interview chair and get all strapped in for the uh, hard stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, but before uh, we get into those questions we have for Andy today, want to talk about a couple of things. Andy himself has uh, started a new Facebook group for the 116th scale Easy 8. You can find links to that over on his Facebook page. So that'll be, it's, it's already got awesome reference photos and a lot of great people have jumped on there. So make sure you guys listening, uh, go check Check that out. And then also the Plastic Posse, we've started a 116th scale Easy 8 group build as well. So that's going to be a great places for you guys to get references and, and watch people as they go along and build these kits. So uh, we've talked about the Sherman. We've talked about the Jeep. Both I have the Jeep. I love the Jeep. The, like Scott was saying, the the engine. And I, I'll tell you what, Andy, the the the, mach- the fifty cal mount itself on that kit. I, I love that thing. And it's just the fifty cal it comes with it is fantastic. But then you add the other one. Oh wow! It yeah. is such such a beautiful. Such it a beautiful is. Thing. They really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah they did. So I want to I want to basically talk about some other little kits you put a video on about. Also an armor guy, figure painter kind of guy. I'd I'd love to chat about the new super heavies from Tacom, the Japanese, the one that the 150 that's coming out, the the VK coming out. You've seen them, you've had your hands on them. What are they like? I I, I know a lot of our listeners are really interested in the Japanese 150. The Japanese is probably the best of the three too. When you mention it, there they in that particular kit they gave you four metal barrels. Oh, wow. to to for all the uh, the main armaments on it there uh they did give you plastic barrels in the two german ones mm-hmm. which uh would have been nice if that added on it but if i'm looking and if i'm correct the yag yag tiger barrel should replace that so you can get one of those from aber it's supposed to be, it's the same size gun and i don't you know they're fictitious tanks anyway so it looks exactly like a Yag Tiger barrel on it. So I assume that you'd be able to do that, but, uh, they are, they are massive. I got those boxes in and they were, I don't know, in my mind, I'm picturing just regular tack on boxes. And then the three of them showed up and it was all three were as big as the Sherman box, but so <laughs> that shows you how big those things were. And you just open it and you hold it in your hand and the Japanese tank. Yeah. Is a beast. And, uh, I tried looking up a little information on it and, you know, got mixed, so many mixed things on it, but they're, they're going with the 150 tons. So it is wow. large and you put anything else 35th next to it. And you're like, wow, that's tight. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really love the video you put out on both of them. That was great. It was really good to oh, see that, you. you, you know, it was, it was really, really nice. So other than that, let's, let's talk about what else do we have planned for Andy's in 2023? Well, uh, we're going to keep on keeping on, so to speak. Uh, I don't, I'll, t- we can talk about the, the special project in a little while there. I mm-hmm. obviously I'd like, uh, it's, a, it's another kit that's coming out. It's another large scale kit. And there's some, there's more things that are going to be happening at the end of the year mm-hmm. that are going to blow people's minds. Uh, <laughs> but I, and I, I hate to be the tease like that, but yeah. I, I'm sworn to secrecy on these other things right now for at least <laughs> another month. But, um, but I'm so glad you guys reached out to me on this because I do want to share with you my next big kit. And the kit is actually in production already. It's, uh, wow. well, I should say the molds are being cut right now. Okay. So, so I have a, a question myself. So yes, all the kits you've built this year, 
all the ones you've, you know, the, the ones you've started, the ones you've had a little hangover from last year. Which one has been your favorite? I would, ha- and I'm going to discount mine because I'm going to take mine out of the right. mix. That right. was the one I had the most fun doing for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. I mean, yep. A, it fits together very well, but mm-hmm. probably the uh, the 16 scale Stug. Well, yeah. uh, I, I had a blast doing that. And Steve from Value Gear provided such oh. beautiful stuff. And it just comes alive when you see all that stuff in the back there and piles of it. And, mm-hmm. and, and speaking of that too, Steve, if you haven't seen the video, Steve has provided me with the samples. He's going to start working on those very soon and we should have them soon for the Sherman and for the Jeep too. And the yeah. Jeep's got some great, great sets like that. And, and that's what I plan on back, going back and do. So if it wasn't the Stug, it would probably have to be the Jeep because I'm like you. I like all that little detail. Now, I didn't wire it or anything because I just kind of painted it up a little bit. But the thing just is stunning to look at in person, especially when you're used to looking at a 35th scale one that's like four or five inches. Then you get, hey, this is substantial right here. We're big fans of Steve's ourselves. and you know, Absolutely. He's He's one of the nicest guys you can ever meet. If not the nicest guy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he yeah, may be the nicest guy in the hobby. Seriously, yeah, he he really is. He's just a he goes guy. out of his way to be friends with everybody, and it's, he does. it's great to see that. Yeah, it's, and it's, everybody knows Steve. It's yeah, like, it oh, is. Yeah, Steve, yeah. <laughs> and his work, like you said, is fantastic. He just lays everything in there just perfectly. So I'm curious a little bit. What do you expect to see not only in the hobby business, but the hobby itself for you besides the 116s? Uh, right now, I'm going to I'm gonna concentrate on, on bigger scale stuff for mm-hmm. one reason. I'm doing stuff that nobody else is has done already. Right. So uh, it'd be like foolish to do an M18 Hellcat in 35th scale right now. <laughs> <laughs> to be a, although, there, although there's was six months late in the United States, seriously, it's a gorgeous kit and, yeah. you know. So there's a lot of 16 scale subjects that I think are, are good subjects that people want. Let's face it. We're all, most modelers are getting a little bit older and mm-hmm. everyone has come in to a man and said, man, I appreciate the exercise. I like the guy. I, I can, I can see it. I can hold it. I can do all of that with it. Yeah. And, yeah. and honestly, the, the pre-sales blew me away. I'm not just saying we are going to actually be sold out of the entire production run within the okay. next couple of weeks. Congratulations. Um, it, it took off like wildfire. They're wow. shipping out thousands of them out of the, the warehouse. And uh, I don't know when they can do a second production run. Obviously, we're <laughs> going to probably have to because it it was – I appreciate everybody out there that went ahead and uh, got on board with this. And, and and guys who are not armor modelers, that was the best part. I've had guys come and go, I'm not an armor model, but I'm building this thing because it just <laughs> looks so cool. It's a substantial piece. And I, I keep falling back on that because – you know, you started one down there. It's it's substantial. You hold it and you go, this is crazy on it. So, yeah. I mean, from all of us, man, just congratulations to have yeah. your, fir- your first Andy's Hobby Headquarters kit do so well. That's, I yeah. mean, I fan- fantastic that. vision yeah. and execution by you. Nerve wracking in the beginning because you just don't <laughs> know how anything's going to happen. So, <laughs> And you nailed it on the head. Like you're building stuff that other people are not doing. And that's that's great, and that's what this hobby needs right now. And and honestly, I've I've had a store for 27 years, I think, and I fall back on that. I kind of have a general idea what most of my customers want. There'll be people that you know, always we see all in the mag. Oh, people want this and that, but you really get an idea running a store. And and the perfect example of that is with the interior. Now mm-hmm. I know it would be great to have an interior on that, and the people that always mention that. But I, I'll tell you, anytime we have a kit that comes out with an interior without an interior, the non-interior 
sells 10 times more than the interior kit. I want to make at 139, we, we tried to offer the best price possible for such a big kit with all the detail and stuff. And I wanted to make it for the masses. And if we, if we put an interior in there and we did all this other stuff, you start getting up into that three, $400 range. That just takes a huge group of the people out of the, out of the, uh, the market. And the same thing with the Stug. Like I just saw that and I just totally spaced his name. He's coming out with all resin interior uh, parts. David Parker. Parker. David yeah. Parker. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and you look at those, they're absolutely gorgeous. And for the one who wants to put those in, uh, I know people are going to be doing it for the Sherman. We've, I've already heard about talking about them doing it, doing parts like the V8 engine area and all that other stuff. So it's great for the aftermarket people. And don't get me wrong. I'd love to have produced all that, but we really want to get it out to the masses and we want to keep that price at such a point that it's affordable for, for everybody. And, and everyone likes to look at those. I asked all my customers that did buy the interior. I go, did you build any of your interior kits? Well, no, but I'm going to get around to them. So, so. And you saw like TJ, you know, TJ, as soon as you said interior, he was like, yep, yeah, that's true. It's 100%. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love looking at and I've built a couple, but I have to say after I built one or two of them, I need a long break from doing an interior kit. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay, I got to walk away for a minute. And they they look gorgeous. I (laughs) love them. And I'm, I can't wait to, to see the soonest someone comes up with the, the V8 engine for the, uh, for mine, a CAD or a 3D printer, however they want to do it. I will pop one in there and build one up. But, uh, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. So one more question for me. So, sure. uh, you recently reviewed the latest aircraft from Tamaya, uh, Tamaya, the new F48 or sorry, F35A. I had it in my hands myself at OrangeCon a week and a half ago. Fantastic kit. Uh, can you give me your impressions of the kit and how you think it will sell? Uh, it's going to sell very, very well. Uh, yeah. It's it's a phenomenal kit. Fred over at Tamiya was kind enough to actually get, he said, I think it was the only actual production version that they had. So I could see it exactly the way it is. And it's Tamiya quality right there. I'm looking at yeah. it and I was like, wow, I'm not normally an airplane builder and I'm probably going to want to start building this kit. Yeah, I'm Especially the same way. Same Luke way. Air Force Base is right down the street from me. Yeah. I mean, I live, I live in uh, just north of there and they fly over constantly. In fact, uh, during COVID, I tried, um, we had to shut our store down. I tried filming outside a few times and the jets <laughs> flying over were just ruining the YouTube video. So I go, oh, I got to go inside. Because <laughs> that big loud jet flies over, you hear it. So, yeah. but no, back to the Tamiya thing. Yeah. They, they did a stunning, stunning job on it. And from what I said, that heard they worked five years. Years yep. working on that and yeah. there'll be people that we've heard about the the ram panels being too too high and this and that and then like I, i've got a guy who actually works down there and he said he said it looks good though he yeah, said yeah. it's gonna look good when you build it up and yeah. that's the name of the game right here my thing right there is anytime there's anything that's going to be wrong with the kit well i'll tell him well first of all the real one is not made out of plastic so it's not 100% accurate right from then and there on right there. So, yep. Like I said, I, I, I was the same way. I had it in my hands. I was with George and those guys there at, at Orange Con. Right. We sat behind the table for a while and talked. And I was, I, the, the landing bay in that thing is. That, just, I was just going to say, is that a yeah, thing to behold or what? That you look is the at most, that and you go, yeah. Wow, that gets me excited just looking I, at that. Yeah. I, I don't build aircraft myself. And I looked at that and I'm going, I'm going to have to have two. You know, it's right. like, this thing's beautiful. It's such a, it's such a, and you know, it was Absolutely. five years. Uh, George was telling me it took him five years because yeah. the, the PAOs, you know, of course it was a 
classified aircraft for a long time, still is, but you know, they had to get, there was no access for PAOs and stuff for the PAO to give them phenomenal. The fit, I mean, we took the halves, just, you know, you just stuck them together and they were, yep. you know, pop and there were just no seam line, nothing. You know, it's, they, they're making it easy for us armor guys to move over to airplanes. So I love the fact that they gave all of the different markings in yep. one kit. Yep. You know, some of the other companies are like, oh, you can build the American one here, or you can build the uh, the one with all the, uh, the the armament package on the outside of it. Oh, yeah. Everything is in this kit. So you choose the way you want to do it. If you want to do exactly. an Israeli one or yeah. an, a U.S. one or an Italian, whatever you want to do, it's inside there. And yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's a beautiful kit. And as for selling, it's yeah. going to sell phenomenally. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. you. I, I saw your pre-order go up and I was it's like, it's going oh. crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's going it's very, very, very yeah, well. They, that, so. Their marketing department really yeah. hit it out of the park on this the the a model has the biggest number of customers you know i'm up here in utah and hill air force base has a scheme in the kit i mean this kit won't stay in the shops up here for sure but being able to do an aussie bird or an israeli bird or you know luke or or hill you know it's just they i think they've really hit it out of the park from a marketing standpoint right they didn't give luke field air uh, markings though i I said that in the video and there's no lf on the back and I don't know how many are down there, but there are a lot down there. And, but yeah. a lot of them are from other countries too, because all the other guys are coming over here to train with them. So. Right. All right. That's an all easy right. fix with a decal sheet. So. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be a couple out for that, that aircraft pretty yeah. soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, that's all I got for you, Andy. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Well, thank I'm you. Pass you off to TJ. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to, uh, we'll do a little more about you, Andy, you personally. So besides I'm boring. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> So besides being a hobby store owner and a mail order business owner, you're also known as a modeler through YouTube. That's, that's how I was introduced to you, obviously being on the East coast. And this is, this is a kind of what I was talking about before we were going. I'm, I'm in a little bit of a loss of a mojo too. So someone who's been modeling for as long as you have, what would be your advice for someone who might be struggling with their modeling mojo? It is a perfect question because it's happened to me before too. I live, eat, and sleep modeling. I mean, more than the average person because it's my job. I I see it all the time. Biggest thing that I like to do is to change it up because I'll get burnt out on doing one type of thing too much. And that's why I'm I'm super excited about the 16th scale again. A year ago, you didn't find hardly anything in 16th scale. And I was doing the 35th over and over again. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, I want to do something different. And then you start building 16th scale and it just, it came alive. So anyone who out there gets into a funk, pick up something completely Different scale, different genre even. Um, I'll throw a car together. I'll do a, a mediocre at best job with a car. <laughs> but if it's something that I'm interested in, I, I always look at it. I'm doing this for me first and foremost. I build this kit and I have a Formula One car that I built from Tamiya a while back. This is way before YouTube. And I loved it. And for me, I thought I did a great job. For as good as I, I, the guys blow it away if it was in a contest, other people, but I love it. And it was like something I'd never part with. And that was at a time too, what I was like kind of getting burnt out on doing the same thing over and over again. I'm, I'm going to do a car. And I just sat there and did that and change it up. That's, that's my best. And then actually my rule is if I open something, I have to finish building it. Unless it didn't, you know, one kit in the last 20 years, I just threw out because it wasn't going together. I was having one of those days or one of those weeks. But after that, that's why I don't do a lot of different builds at the same time. So because I know me, I'll do squirrel and I'll run off to this other kit and start building this kit and I'll have 15 unbuilt kits. And that doesn't work very good for guys going, why aren't you building on YouTube? Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but back to that, I would just say just. Just keep working on it right there and, and try different things. That That's what gets me out of it. 
you know, you do 10, 35th scale in a row and it's like, ah, it's time to do something different now. So you mentioned, um, throwing away a kit cause you were having like one of those weeks or whatever. Um, we, we were kind of talking about that in our last episode too. When you have one of those days at the bench, can you tell us a time when you overcame an obstacle with a kit when you were having one of those days or one of those weeks? What did you do to push past that? Absolutely. I, and I may have mentioned it in the last video there is, uh, I am an expert at messing up every single kit I build in some way, shape, or form. I I always do something, in it, but I'm usually good enough to fix or hide what I did. And I think I told um, Scott last time that I broke the canopy on the, the 109 G6 from Tamiya. And it was the prototype one. And there was not going to be another kit coming out for three or four months. And I told him I'm going to get this video out. And I ended up having to put a Hasegawa canopy on a Tamiya <laughs> It was just the center part. Nobody was going to know anyway, but that's it. And it's, I, I, when I do mess up something and back to that one kit that I did mess up, it was completely my fault. It was a, I remember it, it was a 32nd scale Hasegawa Focke-Wolf 190. And I got the decals on, everything was going right. And then I had a, a major snafu with clear coat and it bubbled my decals and it messed up and I looked at it and then I accidentally touched it. When I thought it was dry and it wasn't, and I just, I go, oh my God, I just made a bigger mess out of this. And then I, I just sat there looking at it and I'm going, I should just cut my losses. Cause by the time I try to fix this right here, I could start a new kit, get it done and not have to repair that. And I just went, yep. And I flung it right in the trash and it went and started the kit over again. And, and it came out fine after that. But it's, it's crazy. Sometimes you can use the same product 20 times in a row and that 21st time. What did I, I know it had to be me. What did I do wrong? Cause it worked the last time I did this. I, yeah, it, it's frustrating and I get mad for a couple minutes and then I basically just start laughing and I go, this is, yeah. this is a joke. What I just did to this right here. And, uh, so it's, it's fun sometimes. Well, kind of all in that same vein, what makes you the most happy? Uh, what do you enjoy the most when it comes to the hobby? And this is anything, any aspect of the hobby. What, what brings you the most joy? Believe it or not, I love seeing all the new stuff coming out and just to, to, to fondle the plastic, so to speak. And I'm in a, a unique situation that I get a lot of stuff very early and it's like Christmas morning a lot of times because I get, I get so excited, especially there's some new stuff that's going to be announced and it, it, they'll tell me and that it's coming on the way to, and I get, Oh boy, I got to get it. I got to get to the store really quick to make sure I don't miss UPS that morning. And that to me is, is the innovation and in all the new kits that come out. And even if it's something that doesn't normally my genre, there'll be like something new. Like, like I said, I'm not normally an airplane builder, but the F35 see them every day. I'm kind of excited about this kit right here or the new armor kits or even sci-fi when something new sci-fi comes out. I don't have a huge hoard, if you can believe it. I don't have a huge, but there are certain kits that I go, I'm not building this right away, but I am putting this away right now because I like to think about all the things I want to do with this kit. I want to build it this way. I want to do it this way. Probably never get to it because I only have so much time in life. Speaking of that, that's probably the most favorite part of the hobby is thinking of all the things and coming up with a scheme in mind or when we get to the next kit right here, I've been watching a ton of YouTube videos of history videos for, for that. And I've been learning all about, Oh, this is how this, this is where this person fought. And this is how this, this tank fought. And then I'm like, Oh, that's how I'm going to build mine. When, as soon as I get it and then, go, Oh, wait a minute, here's a better scheme that I want to do. So now I've got 10 schemes by the time the kit comes in and I don't have time to build 10 kits. So. To me is all the fantasy, I guess, in my brain, I'll have to call it that way, is that's what I love the most about this hobby is 
all the things that I come up in my brain that I go, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do it. And that's what gets me excited about it again. And then, then trying to convert that into a build and paint job that matches what's in my brain not sometimes falls short. <laughs> I, I do. I do have to call you on one thing though. You say you don't have a stash, but you have a store and a warehouse, man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say that <laughs> you have like literally the biggest stash of anybody. Right. But everyone, anyone can come into my store and buy any one of those kits off me in a heartbeat. There's only a couple special kits that I have put away. And I had, I did put a couple of Shermans away just because they were, I have the very first prototype one. I have the very first kit that came off the line. And then I have two others that are in brand new mint box. I just put away. I was like, I plan on building more Shermans with that, with that Sherman. So, and then a few other 16 scale from like my friends at DOS work and people like that, that uh, are special, those kind of kids. But everything else, I look at it if, uh, if something's about to go discontinued, then I, I might grab one. Uh, but usually by that time, I've usually already built it or anything that I want to do with it. But yeah, I guess I do have a pretty good stash. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on uh, with uh, what TJ's been asking you, I wanted to ask you about your, your trip over to Germany. Uh, you got to hang out with Rick Lawler got to go to museums. Tell us a little bit about that. It looked like a fantastic trip for you. It was. Um, I am, I'm very, very good friends with uh, the, the gentleman who owns MBK or Model Balconic. He and his wife and my wife and I, we flew to Munich and he picked us up there. And obviously he's a German speaker, which is wonderful when you go to a foreign country, not to be the typical American going, why aren't you speaking English <laughs> you know, to us? So Having someone like that, and we went, got to go to Munich, and then Salzburg, and Vienna, and Prague, and Berlin, and just got a whirlwind tour and got to see so many museums because he and I have very similar interests in that kind of stuff, and it was it was just an incredible time. And then of course he's also in very good with the uh, the Munster Tank Museum, which uh, at the the very last day with Rick and I and a few other good friends there, we got to tour and go inside a lot of cool stuff that I. Honestly, didn't think we even get a chance to, but we got to go in a lot of stuff and see the entire museum as special VIP. So that was wonderful. Oh man, that's a very good that's trip. A, a dream come true for an armor builder. You know, uh, JB wasn't able to meet, but he wanted me to ask you specifically about Munster and and uh, which tank you enjoyed seeing and climbing on more than the others. Uh, overall, um, inside. The, the Panther that I got to go inside, a Panther is pretty cool to go inside. And that's a runner, they told me. The Panzer IV we got to go inside as a runner. And then it was kind of a last minute thing. And I, I've, I've said this a few times. The Stug is kind of one of my favorite vehicles. And we were kind of walking by and I knew they have one there. And at the last minute they go, Hey, we got the keys to this. You want to go over and all? Uh, heck yeah. <laughs> and my, uh, my very good friend Christian, who is, um, he does all of the model Balconic videos in German. Even he had never been inside of that before. I almost, I almost had to fight him to be the first one to get inside. <laughs> so he goes, Oh, I've never been in there either. Let's jump in there. And, and I can see, was, I can see Andy shoving him out of the way. Right. Like, the, <laughs> Give him yeah, a little, little yeah. elbow check there to get yeah. in there. <laughs> Hey, yeah, hey. It, it was very, very good time. And, and then some of the things to go inside here being a modeler my whole life, going inside the Sturm Tiger and never dawning on me that those cutoff bolts on the outside were how they attached the upper to the lower hull. And that they literally, the Germans literally cut the top off of the Tiger and dropped this on there and just put some plates inside and drilled holes in it. And I'm like, oh my God, that's how they put this together. 
And then I'm sticking my finger between the gaps and I'm like, oh my God, if this was in a contest, this would totally be kicked off the table right here. And because I can stick my finger all the way through this gap right here or the Russian armor. Oh my. <laughs> it is some rough, rough cuttings on some of those. And yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I, I've, I've been to that museum myself. I, I was over there for a couple of years in the military. And if you take your fingers and you, you can walk around and that's that SU 85 they have there. And you're like yep. this all the way. You know, you could take two fingers and put it at the gaps in between all. Oh, things. yeah. And, and like you said, they would. Yeah, how far would that make it in a show? <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing that when we were talking about uh, when TJ was talking about the Sherman, you know what I I got to see my first Sherman um, a couple of years back in person, and I was shocked at how tall that tank was. You know what? I I always look at the model kits, you know, that we've I've built since I was a little kid, but never saw one in person. And even my son, the first time we went there, we walked up to him and go, "God, Dad, that was that's way bigger than I thought it would." I go, "Me too." I go, "I'm expecting this tiny tank, and it is very, very a tall tank." And until you see these things in person or walking up to the the King Tiger for the first time, you're like, "Holy crap, this is big! <laughs> this, this is this is a monster right here." Or the Sturm Tiger, like I was just saying. I'm, I'm not tall. I'm five, five, ten on a, on a good day, my wife will say. So, but I could stand up inside that Sturm Tiger and my head would just, the top of my, what hair I have left would just graze the top of, uh, the inside of that thing. So you just don't realize the massiveness of these things till you get to go up inside and climb on them. And, and that their, their only rule was to us is don't fall off, please. You <laughs> fall off and get hurt. And we're not going to be able to do this anymore. <laughs> so. Get the Hold insurance company can. involved. Right. You're in trouble. Yep. Yeah. I want to say, I think it was at Fort Carson Grant where they have a an Easy Eight Sherman. That was the first time I had seen one. I mean, I knew they were tall. You know, fourteen, thirteen odd feet tall, which is pretty tall. A lot of people exactly, don't realize yeah. that fourteen yeah. feet tall is tall. I'm yeah. six foot, and I'm looking up at it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't realize just how big and awkward they are until you try to climb on one. Because absolutely, they have they have a gate guard. Of course, like, oh, don't get on the tank. So I'm like, well, I'm I'm going to get on this tank. Yeah. Right. The MPs are going to have to come stop me. Well, I'm going to yeah. do it. <laughs> right. and, um, yeah. I'm in pretty good shape, and I was like, man, this thing is this is hard to climb up. <laughs> I would not like to have to do this all the time. Exactly. And speaking of, I'm uh, not as in good shape as I was when I was in my 20s. And I'm sitting in the the Panzer IV and I I climbed through the cupola and I was like, oh, cool. I slid in there. They go, hey, go slide up to the driver's compartment. And I look down and they go, how? Um, I'm not 20 years old. And now my my 20 20 year old son was and he could, but, you know, he's. 135 pounds <laughs> he slid right in. I'm like, now nah, I go, I'm getting out of the tank and I'm going to climb over the top and I'm going to slide through the driver's compartment through the front. Like, like you're supposed to do. And they are big, very, very big. Yeah. I'd still take one of those uh, world war two German machines over a Russian tank. We went out to the petting zoo at Nellis and uh, we were trying to get in and out of the T 72. They have their holy cow. Oh Yeah. yeah. Unless Russians are tiny, tiny people. <laughs> yep. That takes they, a lot of They have of work. one of those over there, too, and they are. You're right. They're very tiny. Uh, the other thing that was fun to look at, too, at the the museum, and f- forgive me if I told you this the last story, they have a, what do you call it, a leopard tank in there, and the cross on the side of it, I, Balkenkreuz, uh, is that their symbol? And they had it on there, and it was this, because the, the German army runs this partially with the museum, and it was right off one of the lines in there. And oh my God, the glossing on the side of this, uh, of this decal right here. This would, oh, a modeler would be so upset of this. And I'm, I took a picture of it and I posted it all over. This was a couple of years back. And I go, look at that. Look at the silvering on this right here. This guy didn't dull coat over it or anything on it. So 
it's it's amazing to see the real life stuff and then it makes me go, yeah, okay, my kit wasn't that as bad as I thought it came out. <laughs> so on your trip over there, you got to hang out with a buddy of ours, Rick Lawler. How was that? What did you guys yes, do together? Yes, uh, very good. Uh, I, I hadn't known Rick before. I watched a bunch of his stuff, and I still do all the time. He, he was a great guy, and we had a lot of fun at the uh, the after parties that we had uh, at MVK. He's a great guy, and uh, we were the, the two uh, Amis is what the Germans call us Americans <laughs> over there. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. It was good having another uh, another compatriot over here from the U.S. of A., so. <laughs> especially one that speaks English. <laughs> so. uh, it sounds like a blast. Well, uh, we better get back to your physical fitness. So how many steps a day do you get in your warehouse? I know some people, they, they count their reps with weights and miles, but how many steps a day do you get? And more importantly, how many Sherman boxes? have you moved so far <laughs> uh, a lot so what happened with that is i normally am only at the warehouse for a couple hours a day and then i go to my store but the day the 40 foot sherman container came in two people that should have been there were not there <laughs> so oh. it was me and my uh very good friend who also works he's our like uh, works in our warehouse and the two of us unloaded that entire 40 foot container. My wife did help a lot. She, we'd load up all the pallets because they come on the floor. Nothing comes on pallets when it's coming on those because it saves space not to. So she would move the pallets out. We'd throw another one in and this old man was tired by the end of that day. <laughs> it came earlier than us. we thought, obviously, because I originally <laughs> said November. We, we get the call and says, Hey, we knew the ship arrived and they said, we're, we're ready. We're bringing it to you Monday morning. I went, Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Man, that's awesome. A 40 foot container of Sherman goodness. Yes. Oh. And the next, and we've got one more coming, uh, that has the last batch of them on it for the, and then that's, that's it for this production run. So anyone who is thinking of getting one, they might want to do it quick. Cause I know we're going to get the emails. You're out. And it's like- <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think we've teased everybody long enough. I'm going to turn it over to TJ and, uh, you guys can talk about the, uh, big announcement. I know, uh, we, we kind of touched on it earlier and we kind of, push it off to a little bit later but i think that time has come so for the listeners and your fans what is your big announcement okay before i do that though since i've got four of you right here in front of me what do you think it is because i have so many people who tell me they know what it is I, i'm just curious what you guys think and then I, then i'll uh or three of you in front sorry I, I guess i'm the fourth guy on the screen yeah. <laughs> uh well you'll I tell just us curious. what you think <laughs> right i'm just curious what do you guys think it is so all right i'll go first so <laughs> t- two things one of which is a joke because ivan who couldn't be here today our, our friendly brit has been messaging our podcast group chat with what the announcement is and i was like i'm not going to tell you well first first i was like i know what it is ivan he's like well what is it like it's a 116 scale tiger toon tank because he hates toon tanks he hates them <laughs> so i don't think it's actually that but what do i think it is uh it's 116 scale yeah i will say that um i let that cat out of the bag because it's uh, a while ago but let me think. I'm trying to think of what hasn't been in one sixteenth scale. <sighs> hmm. Well, you know what? It's funny. While you're thinking about that, too, there, I started looking at it. There are so many things that can be made in 16th scale without going, you know, into every yeah. obscure, obscure tank that's never, you know, seen five or made in real life or anything like that. <laughs> but when you actually sit down and start thinking about it, there's a lot of cool stuff in 16th scale that can come out there. So, so yeah. it's, it's not a, a Jeep, obviously. It's not a Sherman and it's not a, 
a Stug. Oh, well, mm. it's not an easy eight Sherman. It's not an easy eight Sherman. Oh. <laughs> okay, so, uh, I mean, I'm not- <laughs> me personally, I would like an M4A176 Sherman because that is my favorite variation of the Sherman. It's dead sexy. This The cast hall with the big right. gun, the T23 turret, love it. So that's what I would like. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Next, uh, <laughs> I I'm gonna say we've already done the Jeep and the Sherman, of course, those dogs, everything. I think we're gonna go back German, and that's gonna be a half track, a two five one. Okay, and that'd be cool. Yeah. Well, my uh, my guess is gonna be something I would love to see in sixteen scale. I would love to see a Hetzer, a Young Ooh. Panzer thirty eight. So that's a good that would that's what Hetzer I would, would like. be very cool. So, right. That would be cool. And you might notice I'm writing all these down too, <laughs> for ideas for later on it there. Well, since um, I have to say, unfortunately, you guys are all wrong. So the the kit that will be coming out. Um, first of all, I'll say this. It is in the molds are being cut right now, and I should have a prototype sometime in November. And production will not be here, unfortunately, for Christmas time, but production will be finished sometime in December. So early next year, and I am doing a Tiger One early Ooh. in 16th scale, uh, state of the art one. So <laughs> that will be a monster. Oh, yes. it's going to be beautiful. Yes, and that's you look at. The people who don't know armor, who don't know anything like that, Sherman and Tiger are the two that they know, if you don't yeah. know anything else. And everybody knew the Tiger tank. And I just was shocked that up until this point, I mean, there was, there was, you know, to me, it has a, a nice kit, but it's, it's an RC kit. It's, mm-hmm. you got to spend $1,600 <laughs> to, yeah. to get that. So someone who wants to just do as a modeler, that, that's tough to do right there. And there was one other kit that was out that was, kind of toyish it was a toy that was converted into a model kit from what i was told so this is going to be a state-of-the-art one it's going to be an early one so we'll have fifle air cleaners on it there it's a three-in-one kit so it'll have a command tank it'll also have michael whitman in it oh. so it's going to be whitman's command tank is one of the options that are going to be inside there and then of course you can build just the standard tiger one early oh so. wow yeah, I'm, I'm very excited yeah. about it. It's one of my favorite kits, you know, just to build. I've always, you look at a Tiger and it's, it, it's a cool vehicle <laughs> to yeah, see. So. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. I can't wait. That's going to be the Whitman command Tiger is, that's a great, that's a perfect nail right there on the top of the head. I that's think a, so. I, I look yeah. at, you always look at when, like when Dragon would come out with Tigers and anything with Whitman on it, it yep. would, would sell out so quickly on it. And, mm-hmm. and there's going to be multiple markings. You don't have to do right. his inside there. There'll be plenty to do. In there. Yeah. And it's having a 16 scale, really nice one like that. Right. I, I always wanted that. And I was like, we got to yeah. do this. So. Yeah. That's going to be beautiful. That's going to be, I mean, that I, I, I'm just trying to picture the, the suspension on it with all the wheels and stuff like that yep. in my head. I'm like, Oh, boy, that's going to be fun. And the best part of all, we're uh, going to try to keep the price right about $150. Wow. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That's um, a, that's a deal. Just take it, my money. Right. And, and that's what that, I tell you. I, I look at this because I, I know the customers in there and yep. I know what they want. And we, 
and yeah, we'll sell some if we do them at $250, but I want more people to enjoy this. And once they start doing 16 scale, it's really hard to walk away forever. Now, I'm telling you, once, once you get further along, TJ, on that uh, that Sherman, you're going to be like, I kind of want to do another big scale thing right here. I can, well, at least for me, I'm I'm in my 50s, like I said, so I can see everything still very well in 16 scale. So And yeah. hold it. That's the best part of all. So, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's hopefully I'll have artwork very soon here and we'll be sharing it with everybody. And uh, Jason, the artist is working on that right now. Oh, I love his work. It yeah. is. It's gorgeous stuff right there. And we've Can got I- uh, the box art's going to be facing the other way too. So you'll be able to put the two side by side pointing at each other. So Is it going to come with a figure? Yes. It comes with Michael Whitman. Nice. Oh, cool. It comes with very a, it cool. It comes with a Whitman figure. Any 16 scale I do, I always want to include a figure because I think that's the greatest way for someone to determine scale. Yeah. You look at something and you build it and you have, I, I, we know we know what 35th scale looks like, but then you put a figure next to it and go, man, that was really tiny, tiny. <laughs> I thought it was going to be. And at least when you take a human being size figure and you put it next to it and you go, Oh, okay. I get a generic size, you know, here, how this is supposed to look there. And. Yeah, I always want to have more and more figures come out with all these kids. So, so uh, Steve at Value Gear, so just get your Tiger One stuff ready to go to Andy's place here in a couple in a while. Right. So. Well, that's the nice thing. A lot of the Stug stuff will just carry right over. I mean, exactly. other than the ammo boxes, which are you know different ammunition. But I, I was looking at the two. There's not, Tiger Crews really didn't store most. Much no. on the outside of them right there. Not like Stugs. Stugs were no. like everything in the kitchen sink were thrown on the back and yeah, in the tiger. A, yeah, it's a yeah. there's a lot of room in a tiger. You're right, Andy. It's it's you know towards the end of the war, there's a lot more stuff on there. But you know the early models, it was clean. Plus, they have those turret bins. Yep. So yeah, we're I'm over the moon excited about it. I can't wait to yeah. uh, get the 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 test shot and start playing around with that and yeah. see how everything comes out. And it's always such a big step too between the test shot and then when the final production goes, you know, and you're like, well, it's all the extra detail. He said, I got, I mean, I knew it was supposed to be on there, but when the Sherman finally showed up and I was looking at every little bit of detail and there was a lot of emails going back and forth saying, okay, well, I want to see this have done right like this and that. We know we'll take care of it. We've got you. And so I am can't wait to see, see this one come through. That's so I know it wasn't any of your choices, but I wrote every one of those down as good ideas for the, the future. And I, I, yeah. I would like to do more Shermans in the future too. Um, there, there's talks with the stuff like that, but nothing, nothing firm right now. So yeah. my, my all concentration is on the tiger. So yeah, that's great. Well, it's yeah. going to, it's going to do well. I mean, yeah. it's a tiger. Everyone loves tigers, right? Absolutely. And it's people go, Oh, it's another tiger, but it's a tiger. <laughs> Yeah. It is another tiger. Yeah, yeah every, everyone scale. everyone says that, but then they all still oh, sell. Fuck. When Tamiya brought out the 109 G6, oh, why are they doing a 109? And then it was the best-selling kit I've ever had. So it's like, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, between the Sherman and the Tiger, I mean, you know, people are going to love that. And you know what better way to introduce them to the scale than these popular subjects that have wide mass appeal? Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's the name of the game. We want to get it out and we've got to sell enough of them at a reasonable price. That's that's the thing I kept falling back on. I want this to be open to the, the masses right there. And I know some people go, well, $150 is a lot of money. And yeah, I'm not trying to downplay that, but compared to like $400 or $1,000 kit, that just takes so many people out of the equation that, you know, don't, don't want to spend that kind of money on it. I'm most. Well, I, I mean, I have to say like with the Sherman, right? It's 
I like Asuka Sherman's for one third fifth scale. I think they're the best. The Tamiya Easy is great too, but the Asuka has everything. I have, I don't know if you can tell, but on that one side is all <laughs> right. Asuka Sherman's. Love them. And for the, the price of essentially two Asuka Sherman kits, plus you got to add in some extras with the Asuka Sherman's because they all have two piece gun barrels, which no thank you. Buy a metal gun barrel. Yeah. And you add that in. If you do two of those, you've bought a 116 scale. Easy eight Sherman from you. And that comes with all that already. You don't need aftermarket tracks. You don't need an aftermarket barrel. It has all that. They're all great. And the amount of modeling enjoyment hours you get out of that $139 roughly, it's it that pays for itself in my opinion, just because it's so big and it's, it's so cool and it's so fun. It's it's worth every cent. And one thing I'm going to immediately Get rid of this myth right now. You don't have to use a gallon of paint to paint a 16 scale tank. Uh, people go, how many bottles did you use? And I'm, <laughs> I, like, I used a tiny bit more than I normally would be. I, I, you can paint probably three of those Shermans easily with a regular bottle or the 23 milliliter bottle of Tamiya. It goes pretty far. <laughs> it's not that much more paint you're using on it there. So, yeah. but you're right with the, the metal barrel and the figure. The figure is very nicely oh, done. And Jason, Jason actually amazing. sculpted that himself. And the way, the way they cut it and put, laid it all out is, is beautiful. And that's, I've got high hopes too for the, the Whitman figure too, yeah. to be put into the, uh, the cupola. Yeah. And I'll say this, uh, the, what I like about 116 scale is that, you know, I've seen a lot of fathers with their sons building them together because they're a bigger kid for a kid that, you know, so it's not like the 135 scale where the kid has to really, you know, has problems with small hands. You know, he uses this 116 scale kit and it, it, it's, it's nice for that because it's bringing the younger kids into the hobby. And you know, as we all, we need that. We, we definitely need that. So, and, and these six, the, the Jeep is specifically fantastic for that. The Sherman is fantastic for that. And I, you're seeing a lot of group builds with dads and their sons working on these things. Oh, and absolutely. It's, and it's fantastic. And, you know, and kids like, like oh, yeah. the things that are impressive. Yeah. You, you show them a 70 second scale and then yeah. nothing against 70. I like looking at those too, but it's like, Oh, that's cool. And then you show them a 16 scale Sherman bang on the table and they come in because I had two of them sitting on the cup in the front of my store and the kids would come in and they'd be like just so fascinated by the big scale stuff yeah. oh this is cool right here yeah. and then the way that you know the tracks all work yeah you can roll it and it's yeah. like they uh, to me they always seemed way more fascinated with the bigger things get yeah. it was like oh this is this is pretty cool right here yeah you know, it's like yeah, definitely. I mean, I saw it when I was at your store a while ago. I was months or almost oh no, over a year ago with your your uh, Abrams on the on the counter. You had, oh you had yeah, the, the big one sixteen scale to my Abrams, and that I, I the kid was up there just moving it, and he was just his yep. eyes were like the size of saucers, and he was like just watching the tracks go back and forth. That was fantastic, you know. You Absolutely, see that. you know that's that's what's good about it. I agree. And it is going to have a metal barrel. The, oh. uh, the, the tiger is going to have a metal barrel. I insist on that kind of stuff because it's, uh, it's, it's necessary in that. Uh, it'll have a plastic one too, but I like having that metal, that extra weight up front. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the larger kits, you know, like in the Sherman, I think that aluminum, you know, keeps that straight and true a little bit better than the plastic parts do too. Oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, plus it's just cool. So absolutely. <laughs> And he's yeah. right that when you pull that Sherman barrel out for the first time, it's like, that's, that's a hunk of metal, right? There. <laughs> that's right. The only that's one right. I've ever seen bigger was when Ravel of Germany released that, uh, that how it's the German howitzer and they included a, for a short time, it was almost like a, yeah, it was like a baseball bat. <laughs> 
<laughs> TJ, TJ's for you listeners is showing us the barrel out yeah. of his Sherman kit. That's it's huge. Yeah, it's, oh my gosh. That's a big piece of <laughs> aluminum right there. <laughs> awesome. Well, man, Andy, what a fantastic announcement for the, all the listeners out there. Uh, you, you heard it. If you haven't ordered a Sherman, make sure that you get a Sherman on order, or you may have to wait for production number two sometime in the future. Andy, continued success. These uh, these subjects are incredible. We're super excited about them, and I know you're going to do really well with them. Thank you. I truly appreciate it. I love being on with you guys. It's been great. Yeah, lots of lots of cool things in the future too that will be coming that we can talk about then. And uh, but the tiger is going to blow some people away when they see this. So yeah, awesome. Well, what a what a great companion for that uh, that Sherman as well. And I loved it that one because we don't have to worry about Zimmerit. If you mold it in, everyone, can, well, how can I do two now? The, the, yeah. the pattern's identical. And then, and then if you try doing it yourself, it's like, oh man, that is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I did it one time on a Sturm Tiger and it came out okay, but it was, a, it was as much work doing that as it was building the kit. So, <laughs> oh, Early tigers are wonderful looking, though. <laughs> yes, they are. Those, well, and the, like you said, the five flare cleaners are, are yeah. really interesting as well. So and the that's rubber a, tires a great rather choice. than the yeah. steel wheel and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, and then there's different ways. You can paint it in three tone camouflage. You can do it in winter. You can do it in gray. You know, those they were using those right along all the different theaters. So yep. it's it's yep. got some. It's a great canvas. We'll call it for yep. uh, for painting. And that's why TJ, when you get to the painting and weathering that. That's when the fun really starts on that Sherman. I, I found it, I found it to be a lot easier to start weathering in there because it starts to look more one to one scale in right. my eyes. You get up close to it and you go, okay, I can see how this kind of looks like what it looks like outside mud and dirt and grime and all that kind of stuff on it. Yeah. I, I can't wait trying to decide if I'm going to just do it all OD or do OD over with black over it. Cause I, I love that scheme. Um, and, or also the whitewash because I, I yeah. love whitewash and whitewash on OD looks awesome. So it, it does. Yes. I, I thought about that as one for myself and I might still do that, but I go, I got to make the first one just the way it is. The first one had to be Denise. So I mean, yeah. that one, yeah. it yep. was, it was not going to be anything else other than that. And then eighth armor was, I don't know if I mentioned that. My, my grandfather was with first infantry division in World War II. And after all the fighting that he had gone through, they had transferred him to eighth armor at the end of the war. So he had a, a, my grandmother gave me his uniform when he passed on. And I, I, I never knew that. I go, he's got first infantry on his regular sleeve. Why does he have eighth on it? And I talked to my uncle. He goes, Oh yeah. He, they said, Hey, you, we need numbers. You're going to Czechoslovakia to be with eighth armor. So my kit has got eighth armor division on it. So I'm thinking maybe he would have got the climb on or been near one of the, one of those exact easy eight Shermans like that. So yeah. it kind of killed two birds with one stone with that, uh, with that build. I'm, I mean, everybody probably knows already, but uh, tell everybody where um, your website, your social media, all that good information where they can find you. Absolutely. So the website is Andy's HHQ.com. Uh, and in Europe, in the rest of the world, andyshq.eu. And uh, social media, we've got all different types of ones. Mediocre Modelers is the biggest one. Also, you can just go to Andy's Hobby Headquarters on Facebook. A lot of the stuff is tied to that. So you'll be able to 
branch out and see all the different things like that. And then the new one, and I'm forgetting exactly how we called it, but it's the Andy's headquarters M4A3E8 uh, Sherman Build Group, which is, it's tied with mediocre modelers. So you'll be able to find it pretty easily there. And I, I'm having fun looking at all the uh, the cool posts. And a couple of my friends got to go to the Armor Museum and they took a bunch of pictures and are posting them up there now. So I'm like, oh, sweet. I got uh, easy eight pictures to look at. Awesome. Well, uh, international traveler, modeler, uh, YouTube influencer, and now kit manufacturer, Andy Klein. Thanks well, thank so you. much for being with us again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. We'll Thanks, talk Andy. to you soon, Andy. Well, that was a great interview. Sublime, you might say. Andy has a lot to say, and his energy is unmatched. We're always really grateful to have him on the Triple P, and uh, we're super excited for you guys to listen to it. It was so much fun to talk with Andy. You know, he, he's got such a an energy for this hobby and the positivity, but also putting that energy and enthusiasm into the products. And it's palpable. I mean, tell me where you can find a better value than that 116th scale Sherman for 139 bucks. I mean, you're talking about aluminum barrels and I mean, it's just an unparalleled value. And it's because Andy loves this hobby so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he is 100% genuine when he said he, he, does, you know, got this model made for the customer. And, and he really did because as he mentioned, and as someone who owns one and has op- and started building it, you could charge way more money for it than what, what you, we were charged. Frankly, the box is like literally 10 inches tall. It's as tall as it is wide. I mean, it's the biggest box of, of plastic I own. It's a $200 and, kit. No, oh, easily. 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 Easy. Yeah. Yeah. The figure alone is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Turn barrel. And, and, you know, I mentioned it in, in the interview, you could go buy two Asuka Shermans plus the required aftermarket because as good as Asuka Shermans are, like you do want aftermarket barrels and stuff for the, the two piece barrels. Two of those kits, you've bought yourself a 116 scale Sherman that has that stuff in it already. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, for the modeler, yeah, $139. I mean, it's not an insignificant amount of money, but just for what you get, it's, it's, it's one of the best deals. I think. Yeah, I mean, like like we talked about, you know, uh, there are Rifield models and Tacom and Mang models that one thirty fifth scale that are almost as much as this kit is. Yeah. In many cases, like you mentioned, they're going to need some kind of aftermarket. Eh, needs a maybe a strong word, but you're probably going to add some aftermarket to them as well. I mean, I was on the B team and didn't get to uh, interview Andy, so I'm coming in a little late. But his latest release concerning the Tiger is. Absolutely fantastic as well. Hearing the price point of that, very similar to the Sherman, you can't find that value on the street today. Your two options are the early RC one from Tamiya, which is like 300. I think it's, that's without the motor, I yeah, think. That's um, without the motor. Yeah. Yeah. Full up. It's like 650. Now, granted, uh, you know, without the motor equivalent, 350. And then the hobby boss one, which is not good. It goes for, I think around 150 as well. But again, knowing it's a toy. Yeah. yeah, knowing Andy, knowing what he's put into the Stug, the Sherman, and I also have the Mark III, so I have all of his releases, you know, the first two tack on being, but I think he had a heavy influence. It's unrivaled in value. I think that's important, and I can't wait to see the Tiger for that as well. And yeah. 
what's great about the Tiger is there's so many 3D files out there for 35th scale. I'm just going to scale them up like clasps and other details, fire extinguishers. Those already exist online. Simple, you know, calculation. You, you have plenty of accessories to, to trick that out as well. And also it's a Tiger. Yeah, it's going to sell. Everyone yeah. always says, oh, not another Tiger. I mean, I say it too, but at the end of the day, I mean, they, they sell. That's why yeah. there's always another Tiger. Yeah. Uh, you're almost printing money at this point. If you design yeah. it, if you put out a good Tiger, you've made all your money back and then some because people eat them up. They're yeah. popular. There's yeah. And that's, that's not going to change. And I think it's important to note that, you know, Andy, he's, he's going after, I think, a demographic that, you know, doesn't have the historical kits. And these are new offerings that if I'm just coming into the hobby or if I've even been in the hobby and I see something of this value, I'm not going to worry about other old ones. Like, oh, I can get the Hobby Boss one, not even a shot. You know, based on what he's provided, again, through the Stug, the Panzer III, and the Sherman, it's like, I trust this guy to do it really well, and I'm all in. And it's also, see, it's it's fantastic to see that it's first kit, and it's basically, by the time this airs, it might be sold out. Yeah, you know, that's a great it, point. Yeah, no, and if, you know, there's a, there's a very big possibility that we're talking to them and people are going to be trying to get it after this episode drops and they're not going to be able to get it because they made, was it, Scott, 500,000 or? 5,000. 5,000, sorry, 5,000. And they're almost all gone. So come on, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a big push for him. And, you know, he doesn't, like he said in the interview, he doesn't know when they're going to do a second run. So jump I, on it. I might buy another one, to be honest. I, I, um, did. <laughs> I did. To be the honest, I mean, there, it is a really nice kit. If you ever have any sort of lingering ambition to build a Sherman in 16 scale, this is your shot. And mm -hmm. Ivan, I think you should, I think you should get one. I will hand deliver it to you in Telford. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, it's so nice you've offered to buy me one. I mean, for how much you're doing over there and getting us backstage passes and all. No, 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 no. Let's just clear this up. Your name unlocks many doors. No. <laughs> so maybe with that, TJ, are you are you looking to rip this one out in terms of building it quick? Oh yeah, it's, I'm not working on anything else. Nice. This is what I'm going to work on. And I told Andy in the interview because he was talking about San Marcos next year, and like I'm going to be interested to see how many are on the table next year. And I was like, well, I can guarantee you this: you will see mine. It is coming <laughs> yeah. to San Marcos because I am driving next year, and it will be in my backseat. I'm Same. I'm 100% bringing it. I mean, it's just like we were saying before: like the, the turret alone to me is worth the price of admission. It's absolutely gorgeous, and I love Sherman turrets, especially the big ones with the the big 360 degree vision commander's cupola my yeah. favorite one of my favorite pieces of of sherman kit and i cannot wait to paint and weather that turret they nailed the cupola it's yeah it's as so i would say absolutely fantastic like, like andy pointed out in i don't know if it was during the interview or maybe afterwards when we were talking about it. i think it was afterwards because like the the bolt heads that are around the vision blocks it's like they look so they look real and i was like yeah i feel like i could go upstairs grab one of my micro screwdrivers and unscrew that screw that's how yeah. well it's detailed I mean, it's it's gorgeous god i cannot wait yeah i i also like the fact that i think tj you pointed it out that the bore uh is a is a slide molded bore for the main yes. gun and it has the rifling or has the the screw parts into it yeah i don't i don't think we talked about that during the interview oh okay i think that was afterwards but yes i mean since you know this is we'll talk we're talking about it now the muzzle brake for the 76 millimeter gun is molded in one piece with rifling on the inside 
it's so nice. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. And just everything has casting numbers on it, you know, because American tanks are just covered in foundry markings. And it's, oh, I cannot wait. I'm so excited to finish building this. And also another really good thing about it is our good friend Steve Mazel uh, from Value Gear did all that extra gear for it that he's going to have for sale too so hey yeah. you know support steve support andy you know let's make this a great thing guys i think i think steve said today um someone i think on john's post on our facebook page asked if um there's going to be some stowage for it and i made a reply and tag steven and said i'm pretty sure he's working on it steve came back a couple minutes later and said yep i've got i think he said two sets three. two or three sets that are supposed to be out within a couple of weeks so wow that's great well, you know, I want to talk a little bit about feedback, but feedback has, has become something else. I talked to JB about this a little bit. It used to be that it, people would just send us ideas and thoughts about their, uh, the last episode and we still get that, but, but feedback has become something more. It's been, we have these discussions with our friends. They'll share pictures of their projects and we'll, we'll discuss them on our Facebook, uh, messaging. And it's been a lot of fun. So if anybody, feel free to, to talk to us if you want to. If you want to share things and have a conversation, one of us is usually around to talk. I have one, though, that uh, our friend J.C. Osborne had something to say. He agrees with TJ on uh, his thoughts about uh, on model shows and your perspective when it comes to building. He says, TJ's perspective where it should be primarily about community, hanging with friends, and also seeing that you what you can pick up from the vendors are, is great. Competitions are cool, but if that's your thing, if that's the focus in your hobby is building for competition, you're doing it wrong. Uh, he couldn't agree more with that. There's enough drama and stress in our everyday lives. Let's just enjoy and have fun and have fun with this hobby. I have to agree with that. Uh, it's a it's a good thought. Although you know, do your thing if that's what you want to build for. It's uh, obviously up to you, Doug. That's a good point. We you know we have the plastic posse group. It's just gotten bigger and bigger, and there's so much interaction between people. We have people posting builds every day. People helping each other out. Yeah, asking questions. You know, hey, how do you use this kind of paint or whatever? It's really been a great group. So if you're not a member uh, yet on Facebook, uh, it's just the plastic posse group page uh, go over there and uh, get signed up for that it's a great community and uh, and again lots of feedback and friendly banter back and forth it's a very positive environment we all work all six of us work to keep it free of spam and anything that uh, is kind of a time waster so if you just want to focus on models and fun it's a it's a great place to kind of spend some time the uh the other thing that we got a lot of feedback on was our last episode we discussed our shelf queens and how long they've been up and what they are and and our plans on whether or not they're ever going to get finished. And I don't know how many responses we got. I mean, well over a 100 people logged in to tell us about their shelf queens. That was a lot of fun. I mean, you, you it's amazing what y'all are doing and what we're all capable of. But at the same time, we're all capable of putting a, a model away and not looking <laughs> at it for years. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Did anything stand out to you guys? Jeremy Moore's truck. The, the yeah, that's what I was going to say. Ooh, uh, come on, man. Finish that. Yeah, John, I was really struck by the number of pieces that people posted that they were shelf queens because you're you just sort of as an outsider, you're scratching your head going, why haven't you finished this? This is awesome. And a lot of them were close, too, if I remember correctly, at least in primer or close to it. Like Jeremy Moore's truck, it was, it was damn close. Yeah, there was a lot of them that were like like dustings away from being finished. It was just it was really ridiculous. But there was I can't remember the actual model, but there was one for I think it was 19. 
1993. Yeah. That was, I can't remember who that was, but Scott, I'm sorry, it's not Scott. Doug, you're off the handle as the oldest one having not the oldest uh, shelf king. So yeah. you're good to go. So we have a new uh, queen holder right now. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I did have to take umbrage, though. Stephen Reed made the suggestion, hey, why don't you guys just all trade shelf queens and then you can all finish it. And I'm like, oh, heck no. I'm not doing Grant's 40 millimeter bofer. You No way. No way. <laughs> Well, it's funny you mentioned that uh, Steve Baker reached out and was talking about the Char One Bis. He's like, "Is this a good kit?" I'm like, "Well, I have one on my shelf. It's nearly re- it's nearly ready for primer. How about I just give it to you and you can finish it? I even have the laser cut mask. So when I see him soon, he will be taking one of my shelf queens to finish. Yeah, that's gonna be good. Yeah, and you know, also Scott, I wanted to mention it was really interesting. You saw people that were super close to say primer or even in the painting stage, and then there were some on the opposite end, like you know, this Englishman. He had three Tomcats, like. They were just started, and you know it's really interesting how someone can lose so much steam so quickly. Yeah, I, I hope he does find his mojo. It's it's really uh, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a younger fellow, so we got yeah. you know just got to give that encouragement, positive Her. reinforcement. Little shy, I heard. Little shy. A little you shy. Know, yeah, you know, but he's got goals, which is, yeah. you know, being a young person, having goals. Yeah. You know, the goal might be not finishing models, but it's still a goal, you know, yeah. so. <laughs> you know, and he just finished that Mac kit. Looks great. It's very yeah. similar to another one I've seen, which is cool, but, yeah. you know, it's, he's getting on originality. Yeah. Is that the one with the arm hanging off? Uh, yeah, it was yellow, too. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's it. Original. Original, yeah. Original-ish. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like Walmart uh, brand. Great value, I would say. Yeah, Mac from Wish. <laughs> In all seriousness, I think it, it, it's interesting that, you know, we sort of put these projects away and in our own minds, there's a roadblock of sorts. But, you know, maybe one of the strategies for keeping our, our shelf queens kind of moving down the line is share the work, you know? I mean, uh, TJ talked about his two Falcons that he started and just didn't get through. And I know all of us were like, whoa. Come on, dude. Well, you know, we want to want to see these things finish. So maybe just getting those shelf queens out there can help maybe provide a dialogue that results in some impetus to get the project going again. Yeah. And in all seriousness, Ivan, I'll pick on you again. I think your L70 is really well done. I think you're so close. You should finish it and bring it to Telford because I really love it. I know you kind of fell out with it and did a little parting ways, but I, I think it's really good, man. And, and I would encourage you to you know, bring it to Telford. Seconded. Thanks. <laughs> but <laughs> for me, I know that thanks, but you, whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, thanks, but yeah. Um, life. For, for, yeah <laughs> have a great life. Um, for me, it's a smoking pile of hard garbage. I wasn't happy with it. Trash. Um, yeah, but it's, it's not so. Trash. <laughs> I mean, it's again, not that. Thanks, but you're wrong. <laughs> thanks, but I'm going to ignore you all. Um, <laughs> it's 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 not. It doesn't kindle joy. Ivan, have I ever led you astray? Yeah, good point. Have I? <laughs> who brought yeah. home? Who brought home an award? Well, there, there was you that, were that, that airport thing, TJ. We're not talking about that. <laughs> I meant in, in <laughs> I meant as far as my they won't leave without us. Yeah, which is not true. Which I now know. <laughs> you brought home an award from America because I convinced you to enter that figure. You know, you swore up and down, oh, this figure isn't going to do anything. Meh, 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 meh. I didn't know you're I was all, 90 years old. You were all. 
<laughs> I can't do a British accent, so I just I got to do that. I'm not even going to attempt because it would be terrible. Your L70 is yeah. good, and you need to finish it. Yeah, it's yeah. almost done. You could probably call it done now. I at least by the last picture that I saw of it, it was more done than like 98 percent of the other models I see on the internet. Yeah. I'll trade you it's something good. for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm with these guys. Just take it to Telfer, dude. Come on. Just just do it. I mean, come on now. I mean, if you don't win anything, I'll buy you a Comet. I, you know, oh, wait a minute. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, so right. You can just give it to JP. He's getting money. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just beautiful, man. Don't sell yourself short. I know sometimes you hit those walls. And like TJ said, look, TJ was 100% right about your figure. Mm. Bases by Bill. Little figure base, and what did you walk away with? What, what, what did you walk away with, dude? Come on. Yeah. A default win. God. <laughs> Listeners, dude, I'm, I'm going to get them. Nice try. That wasn't was, a yeah. default do, do was win. It. All right, JP, let's keep going. <laughs> It's time to give a shout out to our Posse Outriders. These are listeners who support the Posse by becoming Patreon contributors. If you would like to support the Triple P and become a Posse Outrider, simply go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Plastic Posse Podcast, and set up a recurring donation there that helps us offset the cost by bringing you the Triple P. There are three different tiers to support us there, starting at just a buck. Starting at the top with our awesome deputy marshals, we have uh, Joe Porsche. Thank you so much, Joe. Bryce Lacar, Graham Pearson, Patrick Brown, Steve Schaefer, Jay Kidd, Paul Burdett, Brandon Gentry, Robert Klein, Mark Ewing, Ted Kawahara, Josh Orr, John Bryan, Scale Model Hanger, Toad Man, Model Doc, Doug Reed, Greg James, Les Workala, B. Colt 1911, John Everett, Josh Buck, Black Rifle Model Works, Thomas Bannock, Mark Bradley, Zach Pease, Joel Munson, Eric Brubaker, Jeremy Moore, DB Scale Model Studio, Matt Johnston, Jared Cow, Jeremy Elliott, Mike Talley, Steve Baker, Previous Seat, Mediocre Middle-Aged Modeler, Dan Nofel, Eric DeGleish, Bruce the Model Noob, Ethan Eidenmill, JC Osborne, and Rick Cooper. Next, we have our posse foremen, which are Ben, Logan, Red Beach One, MD Models, the voice of Bob, Papa Steve Munsell, JV, Eric, Victor, Pete, Toby, Matthew, Matters of Scale, Damien, Kieran, Cody, Lib, Papa Mike, Charlie, Tim, Forrest Ghost 73, Nukeman Mike, Greg, JAK, AK Armor, Ash, Irish Pat, Paul, Eyebones Models, Mr. Grizz, Jackson, Chris Lee, Jamie, Craig, Mike, Rick, and Steve. Last but not least, we have our posse outriders, including Bjorn, Zach, Pete, and 11 others. Before we move on, during October, we will start sending out posse swag packs, beginning with our deputy marshals, especially the ones who have been Patreons for the longest time. We will also get swag packs out to our highest seniority posse foreman members as well. A sincere thank you to all our posse supporters. You help us make the podcast and everything we do a reality. You are truly our greatest asset. Now, let's go, let's get some social media shoutouts. Yeah, I've got a couple. So first, I want to plug the Black Rifle Model Works community group, which is now an official IPMS club. 
boom, boom. Luke put the work in and sent all the paperwork off to IPMS UK. So next year at Scale Model World, we'll be able to have a big 12-foot community table where we can man it and everyone who's a member of the community can just come and display their models. No stress of competition or anything. Just if you've built it, bring it, display it, and it's it's going to be a great time. On said community, we've got the Facebook page for it, but we've also got the YouTube channel, Black Rifle Model Works, where we do our monthly live stream at the end of every month. The problem is we run out of time and not content. So we always end up leaving stuff out. So we're going to maybe try and make it twice a month. But yeah, it's it's a great time full of a positive energy. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely fantastic. Congratulations to Luke and the whole crew over there, Ivan. Um, it's a great channel, great content. Yeah, and I just want to add, Ivan, for the listeners who are international, like myself and our other co-hosts, can we join? How do we join? And then if you're local to UK, how do you join? So talk about how can, how can we become a part of this great community? So we have the Facebook page, which absolutely anyone on the globe can be a part of. Show your work. We do group builds on there. To be a, an official member of the IPMS group, not the Facebook page, yeah, you, you be an IPMS member. You can find a lot more information. There's a big group of admins on the Facebook page. Uh, you can message any of us and we'll have the information for you. To display models on the table, for example, for next year, whether you're overseas or UK member, you don't need to be a member uh, of IPMS. You can come to the show as just a visitor bring your models and put them on the table. There's no membership required. It costs absolutely nothing. Um, so we've really been trying to get as many people, whether IPMS or not IPMS, just involved to have a really good time. Outstanding. I also, absolutely outstanding. I also have another <laughs> Facebook page to shout out. We are Scale Model Works. This is Douglas Weir from Scotland. He's, he's incredible modeler. I've always had this thing about 2 k cars looking like they've been dipped in syrup. He does them perfect. I, I, I hate the word scale finish. But they look right, and his aircraft are incredible. The weather, the well-built, they're just really good. And what really brings him to life is how he photographs his models. He doesn't do just a plain white background. He's got a gradient background. Sometimes he'll have a gloss base, so there'll be a reflection for the car to shine off. It's just really good. His work is outstanding. And it's weird. Every other day, he's finishing another piece of modeling, whether it's a car, an aircraft, or what. He's really productive. Um, I just have one. It's an Instagram account run by uh, someone named Tristan Reedford, and it's um, Super Nashwan underscore models. Yeah, I just happened, I was just, you know, cruising through Instagram the other day. Caught my eye is working on a, a Falk, a machine creator kit. It's really cool. So yeah, check him out. He doesn't have a lot of followers, so give him a follow. My social media shout-out goes to a channel that uh, the Posse's uh, familiar with. It's our good friend, John Bias. John has just hit 10,000 subs on YouTube. So fantastic work, John. Way to go. I'm really excited for you, and it's uh, well-deserved. Love your content. Of course, anybody that's listened to the Posse has heard him on here before. Uh, just thought that was uh, worth uh, telling him congratulations on. All right. Mine is uh, another Instagram account. So if you go have an Instagram account, go to your, uh, open it up, go to the search menu and uh, type in Will, W-I-L-L underscore paints. His name is Will Brightly. Uh, he is a, a miniature painter, like I said, from Surge Studios, which is a very famous miniature uh, Warhammer group painting uh, organization. He's done some really fantastic work, which brought me to him uh, this time was is he just finished a great night. And then it's, you know, it's the, the tone, the color. It's all NMM and it's just beautiful. Check out his other work, though. He has got some fantastic work on that. Yeah, and for my social media shoutouts, I will go with a lot of work that's been posted in the Posse group as of late. The first I'd like to highlight is Grizz, good friend, his Pink Panther. 
He smashed the first one, uh, unfortunately, but he has rebounded with a 35th scale one. And it is, it's looking really good. It's the myth of the Pink Panther in Vietnam. I believe it's for a charity build, uh, for breast cancer awareness. So, you know, overall great execution on the piece itself. And, you know, the effort to raise awareness is really great too. So it's again, looking at linking modeling to real life. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. I have a few others I'd like to call out. Josh is a wing, constant contributor to the group. Really great friend of the podcast. His A-Wing, his OPR work, really, really well done. Jeremy Moore's P-38 is looking as crisp as ever. Natural metal is definitely something he nails. And then also I'd like to call out two more. John Gray's Panzer III, which I believe is in a Tropen II scheme. Really, really doing nice work on shading and dust tones with that. So keep up the great work, John. And then lastly, Martin's Platoon Diorama. I think it's no exception that Martin jumps in with a great piece, really involved. It just tells a great story. I think, you know, he's not afraid to do anything in this jungle scene with some, you know, uh, interesting architecture and some figures right up Martin's alley and certainly display as well. So thank you all to our listeners that post in the group. It's constant inspiration and just want to give out a shout out to those who I think uh, caught my eye this last week. Yeah, those are good choices, John. Um, Cobra Pla, his A-Wing, you know, normally he's a Gundam builder, but he's really crushing that A-Wing. I really like the scheme he's doing and he's bringing a lot of weathering to the fighter. And I mean, Jeremy, Jeremy Moore, anytime you can see a P-38 with invasion stripes, man, and he's just, he's crushing that. John, John Gray, he's a brand new member of the posse and he comes in strong uh, with his Panzer three and then Martin Drayton, MD models, man, that diorama each, each it's crazy because of how productive he is. But every time he does a new diorama, it just, he takes it up a notch. It's uh, incredible to watch his growth. Just before we get on to our discussion point, uh, I want to give a bit of a quick shout out to Andy Callis, listener and friend of the podcast. I had a chat with him the other night for a good four hours. I think we stayed until like four in the morning. For the first time in a few years, I've spoken to Andy. He lives in Naples, Florida, and it was great to hear that he's doing okay after the terrible events that struck Florida and some South Carolina with Hurricane Ian. I'm sure everyone here would agree. Everyone at the Triple P, whether it be us six or everyone in the community, I think you know, everyone who was affected by the terrible events that happened in Florida and the surrounding areas, we hope everyone is doing well, they're getting themselves soyed, and they're, they're safe and sound at the minute. Now it's time for our main discussion topic. I definitely want to echo Ivan before we go into it. You know, glad that everyone in Florida made it through all right that we know and certainly a long road of recovery for some. So um, you're constantly in our thoughts and please reach out if you do need anything. The Posse's here to support it. Getting on to our main topic, you know, last week we talked about one of those days where we struggle getting through a project, whether it's a certain technique or the project itself, which leads to the inevitable shelf queen. This week, we're going to turn it around. We're going to flip a 180. We're going to talk about things that went well and specifically those moments where it kind of clicked. And when I say kind of clicked, it could be with a technique. It could be with an overall build. I'm going to highlight some things to kind of kick off the discussion and then we're going to go around the room. So, you know, when it clicked for me, when something that I'd struggled with so long finally worked and was able to carry that success, you know, through future projects. And for me, I'll highlight kind of two things. And these are simple things, but they really made a difference in my scale modeling and took me out of the dumps and brought me into, you know, a place of continuous motivation and growth. And the first is something as simple as airbrushing Tamiya paints. When I first started airbrushing Tamiya paints, the XF series, they are incredibly flat. And some people love that, but I really struggled with getting them to get on the surface and not become chalky. I used their thinner. I used rubbing alcohol. I, and I would strip models countless times. And then I remember reading an article by, I believe 
it was within the same week, probably reading an article from MIG and then also Adam Wilder. And they talked about adding a few drops of X20 clear into the mix. And that was like, or X22 clear. That was like blowing my mind game changer. And from that moment on, using Tamiya paints clicked. I never had any drying problems. It gave me that sort of satin finish that I really craved and wanted, which enabled a really great base for using oils and enamels for weathering. So something as simple like that went from stripping almost every model and being constantly frustrated to being able to spray Tamiya really, really well and get me the performance that I wanted in those really intricate three-tone camouflage schemes. You know, that's one moment where it clicked, where something, something so simple that I had never tried before flipped the script on success and went from the dumps to, uh, you know, the high ground. And, and another one building off of that, as I mentioned, enamels and oils for weathering <laughs> around the same time, I really struggled using oils for weathering, specifically Van Dyke Brown and Mars Black. Those were two, you know, really good colors that people have recommended. And I just really struggled using them. So for for that Van Dyke brown, it would almost like oxidize and become this really cloudy, white, chalky brown if I used it with mineral spirits, with turpenoid, with enamel thinner. And then on the opposite side, the Mars black, because of the pigments, I believe it is iron in the paint itself, actually causes the pigment to separate when you create a wash and you'll get these black specks everywhere. And I struggled for a very, very long time. And here's the thing that resolved that bottled washes by AK Interactive, which are now by every major brand. Something as simple as that. I have no shame in saying I'm happy to use a pre-made solution that brings convenience, brings efficiency, and brings consistency. And that little moment of just using that pre-bottled stuff, again, it made it click where I can really successfully do pin washes now and filters for that matter where I'm not struggling with pigment separation, where I'm not struggling with XYZ waiting forever for it to dry. And and I know people still use oils and I don't want to take anything away from that. But I also want to emphasize that, you know, using branded products is, is never a bad thing because it makes things so much easier. So those are two moments where it clicked for me. It helped me achieve finishes, achieve you know, success in finishing a model where I had struggled before. And with that, you know, I'd love to go around the room. I'm going to go to Scott first this time. And then we'll, we'll kick it through everybody to see what was that moment that clicked everything for you or something for you. It's going to be a little bit similar to what you're talking about, but sort of in a more generic sense, going back a few years, I I was to the point where I was kind of evaluating, do I want to keep going in the hobby? And part of the reason was I was still using some model master enamels for airbrush work. I had started using the Tamiya acrylics and was having similar issues with John, but I was kind of hopping back and forth. And so um, I finished a build. I wasn't happy with it. And I kind of sat down and took a almost like an engineering process approach to, okay, what if we just make it so that all of my airbrush work is always with the same kind of product instead of jumping from enamels to acrylics and back and, you know, started sort of started sorting out my processes and making it a baseline. And, you know, then that led to some of the same challenges with oils and enamel weathering products. But it took me probably a year of experimenting and trying different things. But at the end of that year, um, my work was different because now instead of trying to play the chemist every time I tried to airbrush something or tried to put a wash on something, I had 
processes that I felt confident in. And it really changed for me, my experience in the hobby. And it really took me from kind of where scale modeling was like one of the things I did to really, it's now the primary thing that I do as far as my hobby. So that was the moment for me um, that it clicked and very similar uh, to what you're talking about, John. Nice, nice. And and for other hosts on here, it doesn't have to be a technique. It could be a project where you finish it and you're like, oh man, I'm on another level now. And with that, I'm going to kick it across the pond, Ivan, to have him talk about when it clicks. Um, yeah, I've got I've got two kind of. It's again very similar to what you said. Mine was the first time I used lacquer paints. I remember back in 2016, I would, all I would use was Mr. Hobby Aqueous and Tamiya's XF colors. That's all I would spray with. I would talk about uh, lacquer paints, and someone would say, you don't want lacquers, they're, they're terrible. They spray really bad. Obviously, you take one person's opinion, and it's like, right, fine. Then I went to a model shop, and I was working on a P47 at the time. And as I was in the model shop, there was a big rack of MRP paints. As I was talking about the kit I was building, it was like, why don't you try some of this? Because it was kind of new at the time in the UK. It was like, ooh, fancy new paint, let's try it. He said, here's some olive drab, give that a go. I was like, right, how do you spray it? Do you just spray it at normal like normal PSI? He was like, no, 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 way down to about 5 to 10 PSI, really low. I said, that seems kind of weird. He was like, nope, but the paints are really thin. Took them home, give them a try, fell in love. These are the smoothest paints, and I know TJ's not a fan because they're ultra thin. It takes a long time to build them up. So it's using MRPs is quite a long process, but they are incredible. And then... AK Real Colors came out a little bit later, and I was like, oh, these are like small bottles, but the, the lacquers, I'll give them a try, because these aren't pre-thinned. I'm used to pre-thinned paints, stick them in your airbrush, use them. I was like, right, get them, get some MLT, thin them to the same-ish consistency of MRP, keep my pressure the same, and boom, again, just incredibly smooth paints. And not only was the finish really nice and the color really nice, and I wasn't using actually a lot of paint, but Cleaning my airbrush afterwards, my airbrush wouldn't clog up. It was really easy to clean. It was just everything became much more simpler. And nowadays, I use lacquers on everything because, yeah, they stink. There is that that goes with them. But the finish you get, the color choices you have, there's a lot of brands coming out with lacquers now. It's just an all-round fantastic product. Lacquer is just... I will not be convinced that there's a better paint than lacquer. The second was very recently on the, the Mac build that I finished. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I, uh, guys noticed, but I finished a Mac recently. It was yellow and its arm was missing. I rusted that. It was really heavily chipped. I wanted it to be really rusty and I'd never done heavy rust before. And I was like, right, how can I do this and not ruin another model? So I was going on a bit of a run of being not happy with products, uh, products, uh, builds. I said, right. Let's just see what Night Shift does when it comes to Ruster Tank. Uh, me and JB were talking. We had the Streaker Rust Brush from Ammo. And I was like, right, that's a good rust because it's not like the bottle of wash. It's not a vibrant orange. It's a much more darker, rusty color. Tried that, just literally very liberally slapped it on all the rusty areas, allowed it to dry a little bit, and then came in with a, a moistened brush with just a little thinner, going around the areas, allowing the, the rusty oil to leach into the surrounding areas so it would stain the yellow paint. I'd finished that in one evening, and when I knew I'd done it well, is it looked good to me, but it was the feedback I got from all of you guys when you're like, yeah, that's bang on. That's when I know it clicked. It was like, yeah, I'm doing something right. If, if these guys like it, it, I'm doing something right. So that's two scenarios for me where I just realized, yeah, this is, this is correct. I agree. That Mac was, <laughs> dude, stellar, really, really well done. And I have the streaking brusher over here ready to go for rust because the, the patina and the color that you nailed on it over the yellow really set the scene for desolate. If you have, if your, our listeners haven't seen it, you can see it in the, in the group build and in the plastic posse group. Thank you. It's very original. 
So with that, we have three more to go. Grant, tell us about the time when it clicked for you. The time that I think that I, I took a big step or clicked like this is when I started to use a color wheel more. I like to paint, as a lot of you guys know, or some of you know, I like to paint Warhammer and stuff that's a little bit more more bright in color. And I was not making my colors right. My shades were not right. Then I used, started using a color wheel, which stupid, but I, I forgot, didn't even think about. So I started basing you know, you having a primary color or co- and then finding the complement colors to it. A few years back, I did a Gene Steeler cultist and he had a uh, orange cape. And I actually got, it, it really turned out well because the, I used the complementary co- uh, colors to the, the uh, orange. And it, it, that was my aha moment, I guess. Just understanding the color wheel and the process of looking at a color wheel and how to use a color wheel has helped me 100% in my hobby. You know, when you're in armor and you do aircraft and stuff like that, you kind of, here's OD, it's made from yellow and black, yada, yada, yada. Here's what you weather it with. And, you know, don't get me wrong. You got every, we all do fan, not all of us, but, you know, the guys here do fantastic work with theirs. This was a new level for me, a different area for me. So not until I learned about the color wheel, started understanding about the color wheel, that's when my stuff changed. So that's what I would say for mine. Nice. That's a great point. You know, outside of a specific product, but a theory, a, a practice, a, you know, an education per se is, is really great. Doug, what are your thoughts on this topic? Well, I'm going to go back uh, to 1992 and I'd been around the local hobby stop. The hobby stop is what it's called, the local hobby shop in uh, Orem, Utah. And I heard guys talking about Hazagawa. They were talking about the quality of Hazagawa. And I've never, you know, I'd always built whatever I could find, whatever, whatever struck my interest. It was a whole lot of monogram F14s. It was a whole lot of P51s from monogram or Ravel or any, whoever. And, you know, there were a lot of work and they never looked great. So I was at a mall in Salt Lake City back when there were malls and I, there was a little hobby store in the basement of the mall. And I found the Hazagawa F-16N, uh, so the Navy adversary uh, Falcon, and I picked it up. I'm like, okay, I'll give this a try. That was the first time I'd actually realized, personally had the personal experience to understand that, yes, a model can be quality, it can have good detail, it can fit right, and be enjoyable to build without the hassle of, of filling and sanding. That that was a lot of fun. Then when I went to paint it was the first time I'd ever airbrushed an, air, an airplane. And this was, it, it kind of blew my mind because I was using model masters. I had to figure out how to, how to make it work on my own. I did, I, I'd taken an airbrush class, but it was all airbrush paints, um, not mixing enamels or anything. So, so I had to figure that out. But once I got it dialed in, man, I, I was airbrushing. I did a three-tone camo on it and, and I was, and it was smooth and, and I got the mixtures right. Cause if you remember model master enamels, if you did, if you didn't get them wet enough, they would go on like, like sand. They were awful that way, but, uh, but I got them on right and it was just so much fun. And that kind of sparked me to keep learning and keep moving. And that was cool. A few years later, Scott told me about how to use watercolors for washes. I don't know if they were making like, like if anybody was manufacturing washes and, and weathering products like that, but Scott's like, just take watercolors, you know, get the little tubes from the, the paint store and put a little drop of, of uh, dish soap in there. So it'll break the tension. And there you go. 
all little things that I am light years beyond in now at this point. But at the same time, at back then, they took me to another level that I didn't know was, was possible. Nice. And, and you know, one thing I just want to mention too, you mentioned another thing that piqued my interest and had it click for me. I think Ivan talked about it in a previous pod using just straight Mr. Color leveling thinner to burn away the kind of ashy look of dried paints and kind of level all the paints that you've applied is, is something that also clicked for me. I just wanted to mention where it's such a simple technique. I'd, I'd never done it before. And then somebody had mentioned it on the pod and I was like, Oh man, this, this works really well to resolve those issues around, um, you know, drying prematurely, I guess you could say on the surface. So enough for me. We're going to round this out with TJ. Take us home with what clicked for you. I'll go a little, a little bit of a different direction than, than you guys. Um, and I'll, I'll pick, I'll pick a build where I feel like it really, really clicked for me. I've probably mentioned it before. I don't like spraying camouflage. I don't think I'm very good at it. I just generally don't enjoy it. I find it very stressful. However, last year when I did the border models crusader three, I challenged myself to, after watching our friend Jonathan, he used, I think, poster tack or silly putty to hard edge camouflage his crusader that he was working on at the same time I was. I was like, okay, well, I don't like doing that because I feel like it's a pain in the butt. So I'm going to freehand this because I think a lot of times that's the way they were painted. I'm pretty sure that's how they were done. So that was the first time I really, really tried to freehand camouflage. And it's probably one of the best paint jobs I've ever done. I don't think I've been able to do one as good since then. And it was a challenge. It was really hard. It was black over light beige, which is like the two most unforgiving colors. From the very first spot of black paint that I put on that, it just, it worked the whole thing. And I freehanded the whole thing. It took forever because I sprayed really tight, really low. I used MRP, which I know I've said before, I don't really like. In this case, it was perfect. Yeah. And if for, I don't know, when I was done, I looked at it and I was like, man, that's, I'm usually pretty hard in my own work, but I looked at it. I was like, man, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> I think I might have peaked here. And, um, you know, I, I had more than one person tell me that that has some really tight camo spraying. That's really good. Are you sure you don't like doing this? You don't do this before? I'm like, no, I hate doing it. And this is like maybe the second time I've ever done camo. So yeah, I don't know what it was. I haven't been able to recapture that yet. Oh, I feel like the M4A1 Sherman I did not too long ago. I also freehanded that camouflage. It was good. I don't think it was as good as this. This is still, I'm looking at a picture of it right now and I'm like, man, that's, that's really good. I, I normally don't get that high on my work, but yeah, for whatever reason, it clicked and I feel like I'm better at it now, but that was really the, the catalyst to that. Nice. And those two builds are certainly something to be proud of. I loved seeing both of them. I think the Crusader you did take to Vegas and it was on display there. Yeah. It's been to almost every show I've ever been to. It's, I think it's won, it's won once. I think, I think it, I think it won at the, my local show, uh, this year. I think I'm not entirely sure. And then the Sherman, it was definitely at Omaha. Yes. Yeah. It got beaten by, uh, <laughs> beaten by Jackson Sherman. Oh man. That's what he does, man. That's why I gave him one. Uh, I gave him last chance. So my, I guess another one I'd like to talk about. That was another one that just clicked. The last chance Sherman, the composite I did. That one of my favorite models. I, I was a little sad to to give it up, but I feel like Jackson earned it because he's every show he's been to where it's been there, he's beaten it every single time. And I was like, here, well, you won this, so just take it. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, that that one was dust because I suck at dust. I hate doing dust, and specifically using pigments. And uh, that was was pretty good. I've tried since then, and I just I cannot get it to look like how it does on that model. I don't know. Maybe I'll give it another try. But yeah, yeah, that was a sweet one. And I think it was really cool that it 
certainly earned you some recognition from Asuka themselves and having the pictures on display at uh, Shuzuoka was, I think that's pretty badass. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty it's, cool. I, and again, I think, you know, I'll, I'll just pick on this, this model in your story around it and really show our listeners that anything's possible. The last chance, Sherman, if, if our listeners haven't seen it, uh, we'll certainly post it as a companion to this episode, but it's really interesting where it kind of shows the, Hard work, but then also good people help out people. And I'll highlight Las Vegas. It was there at the Value Gear stand. Steve Munsell meeting TJ for the first time ever in life. Gave it to him at the end of the show. TJ took it, built it, shared the photographs back with Steve, who then passed them on to Asuka. And then Asuka loved it so much that they featured them on, you know, I think some Facebook posts, maybe on their website, and then also displayed them at uh, the largest hobby show in Japan at their booth. I think that's just a really great story around, it only takes a few great people to make big things like this happen. So certainly a shout out and a thank you back to Steve Munsell for enabling that. But yeah, just again, it goes to... uh I think good things happen to good people, and, and that's a really good success story, I think, for the posse. Yeah, it, it was still, and you facilitated it, John. One of the coolest things ever, you know, and to now to essentially have a relationship with Asuka, you know, I get emails from Tomomi every once in a while, the, the owner of Asuka. She's super nice. She loves my work, which is great. She, I gave her the photos of the M4A176 that I was just talking about. She has those, too. I told her to use them for whatever you want. I don't care. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. You know, with that, listeners, that rounds out our discussion topic, which is, you know, it clicked when. So we would love to hear from you. When did it click for you? Was it a project? Was it a technique? Was it reading something in a book? If you saw it in Tank Crap, you know, I should say Tank Art by Rinaldi and you put it into practice. Please share those stories with us. We'd love to hear from you. It was really great to see everybody participate from It's Been One of Those Days. And we'd love to have that same level, if not more, for this. So please reach out. We'll feature some of your builds and your instances in our next episode. With that, before we, you know, close this out, I'd like to give one more plug. Masterpiece Models, John Geigel out of out of the Pacific Northwest, uh, sent over some samples for the posse. We we're very thankful for. I'll be bringing one of them to Ivan that he can put under his Tomcat uh, at Telford. And he sent us some of his stands for aircraft, which are gorgeous, and they are really helpful when finishing aircraft. He also sent us some rice paper masking tapes, which come in various sizes. Super nice. I gave, you know, going back to the stand, I gave one to Scott to review. Uh, he has one he'll build up. And then also he gave us some of his modeling masks. So, you know, you think of Ushi and I think Vallejo has one. So it, it's that modeling where it's post-shading or pre-shading for that matter. He's got some samples to us and then some scale rulers. So bottom line is I'll be doing some lives over the next week to kind of feature these products in practice to kind of show them off. But just wanted to say a big thank you to John for sending those over. We certainly have not forgotten about them and we will get our listeners those photographs and videos soon. So thank you again, good sir. And with that, I will turn it over to TJ. So just a reminder, the Plastic Posse is one of several great scale modeling podcasts. You can head on over to modelpodcasts.com. You'll find links for all of them, as well as several related blogs and vlogs. Also, please remember to check out our Mac group build page on Facebook. And if you are, and if you aren't already a member, our Plastic Posse group page on Facebook. This is where the Posse community has a chance to interact, help each other and keep up to date on all the happenings around the globe. And it's a lot of fun. And one last thing, please consider reviewing the Triple P on the podcast platform you use or on Facebook. Each five star review helps other modelers find the Posse.
Before we go, just wanted to talk about one other thing. Um, John and I have been working on a site where you will be able to shop for Plastic Posse Podcast merchandise. We will share more details on that uh, moving forward. But I think you guys out there are going to really, really like it. We'll have kind of classic Triple P logo merchandise. And rumor has it, we'll even have some uh, Ivan fan club items that are sure to be a hit. Uh, with everybody out there. Themed so jumpers. That's right. Everybody uh, look forward to it. There's even rumors of some Triple P lounge trousers. Thank you for joining us for episode 56. You can send your feedback and suggestions to plasticpossypodcast at gmail.com. To quote the great John Bonani, have a great life. Get to the modeling bench and enjoy this amazing hobby. Until next time, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> So Western, so nice. It's got that drawl. It does. (laughs) Well, I learned it from City Slickers, so... (laughs) 